Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With the with me this week, Kid Presentable. Hey, hey, hey. Also with me this week, Lavender Gooms. Happy Festivus, guys. And, as always, with me, the champ is here, DJ Mark. Correct. Double do, champ. First do, do, one. Do, do, that do, champ do, champ. Do, 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 do. You can't see him, folks. First two-time champion. It's an amazing history. That's Marky Two Belts right there. <laughs> on the back of Vulcan Ozdemir, Mark yep. held on. No time. <laughs> no time. Mark had no time for any of us. Me and Mike, barely over 500. Stefan, slightly more over 500 than us. Mark, even more slightly over 500. We're you know, picking- if there was someone for me to lose the belt on... Why wouldn't it be just a really yoked man that I've never seen fight? And I totally made my pick based off of a Google image search. You know what, man? My fair part is the deciding factor. He got chopped down like a tree. It was a close fight. And then today he's like, people know who the real winner is. And then the best comment I read was like, yeah, the winner was the one who didn't have something growing out of his leg. Because at the end of that fight, Rakic's leg was fucked up. What was that one fight? But I think we were camping when I was like watching the results. It's when Pacquiao lost that fight. It was at Bradley, and then Bradley showed up to the press conference in a wheelchair, and yeah. somehow he was the winner of the decision against Pacquiao. <laughs> it's like the guy with a bandage on his head in a wheelchair. He he won the fight. Is that we sure? And they already had a poster for the rematch. You're like, oh, all right, old fashioned fix. You got it. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. We were we were camping. I just kept reading. I'm like, round nine, Pacquiao. Round ten, Pacquiao. And then we got to round 12. I'm like, decision, Bradley. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened? It was like 10 to 1 Pacquiao on all the scorecards. <laughs> Unanimous decision, Bradley. Shows up in wheelchair. I'm like, man, Dan Raphael from ESPN is not getting this scorecard right. It up. Um, right, boys. Well, yeah, congratulations to Mark getting a victory. Well, thank you. Thank um, you. Our anybody but Sanchez plan worked out. Sanchez, your feeling. Yeah, you know, I don't feel too bad about losing it this year because, I mean, let's face it, we we're all, all were kind of losers <laughs> this year because we do we did not do well on our picks this year. All right, folks, total. this is our New Year's resolution from It's I'm Amazing. The winner of this shit is picking at least sixty two percent correct. All right, it's gonna be it's, doable. I, I I think I won one year with like sixty four. So like. 62 is doable. <laughs> maybe maybe 60. for a bit much. But okay, 60. 60. 60. We're getting a D minus minimum, all right? Yeah, we need a pass. We need <laughs> We're a pass. passing, all right? Um All right, boys and girls, there's nothing happening for 3 weeks. Um uh, I mean there's some stuff happening. We're going to talk about we'll, we'll mention Bellator. You know. <laughs> we'll mention that it's happening. Um we might watch it. Not if Stefan has his way. More so if Mark has his way. We'll see no, what happens. I'm, I'm going to watch it. It's Mark is watching it either way. <laughs> it's going to be a group activity or not. It's really the conversation. Um, first off, let me just talk about the fights from last week real quickly. Um, 
Korean Zombie just pieced up Frankie Edgar in about three and a half minutes. Um, all those people who are like, yeah, Frankie's going to fight again next month. He's definitely going to fight Corey Sandhagen. I should definitely buy tickets to that fight that's in five weeks. Mark, Frankie Edgar is not fighting in five weeks. <laughs> I would have advised against that. He's going to make it or not. That's not a great main event. You might want to wait. I don't think it's the main event. It's, I think it's the co-main. I think it's okay. the co-main. Well, what's but, that mean? Uh, let's see if you can sell me right now. On a, on a fight night card in some city, probably nobody, you know. Okay, my statement stands. Wait until the circus makes another lap around. <laughs> Next time they come to town, they'll come with a better show. That's true. The first time around, the UFC knows they can sell tickets. Just because just, just it's a new thing. Yeah, breaking news, because I'm going to MMA Junkie to see what's on this card. John Jones gives away $20,000 in winter coats. And a picture of John Jones handing out coats to people. So, Good move. Nice of John Jones to... Uh, yeah, he needs to do that like a million more times and maybe he'll start getting my... Yeah, he doesn't have to do it. You know what, Mark? You, you'd go to this. Curtis Razor Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. Oh, okay. So this is Co- like an Co-main event is Michael Chiesa, Rafael Dos Anjos. Then you have Frankie and Corey Sandhagen, which uh, isn't okay. happening. Okay, okay. Angela okay. Hill's on the card. You're really going to do Angela Hill like that and tell people not to go? Like, come on now. <laughs> okay, that's that's much better than what you what you led me Arnold, to. Arnold Allen is on there too. Stefan likes Arnold Allen. He's facing Josh Emmett. Nobody likes him, but he's top 10. This doesn't um, sound like a really bad card. This isn't bad for first time to show up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, okay. I take the, it back. You, you know, know what? People in Raleigh, get them tickets. You, you know what, though? If you're in that arena, just don't woo unless Ric Flair is actually there. Nobody woo, okay? I think it's a fair request. Um, Yeah, Frankie Edgar got his ass whooped. Korean Zombie wants a title shot. Korean Zombie also needs surgery. Um, Of course he does. I mean, I think we talked about this earlier today, me and Mark, but Mike, I mean, the answer here is you either do Korean Zombie versus Volkanovsky, or if Volkanovsky is going to face Holloway, maybe you do Zombie and Zabit. That's the top of this weight class. (laughs) What does Zombie need surgery for? I think he said his eye. His eye? Yeah. The hell happened to his eye? I don't know. I I think he might have needed it before the fight started, Uh, which maybe makes you wonder how he was able to fight. Um, I'll I'll confirm that. But what do you think? What do you want? What do you think? A title shot, or do you think we're gonna get the rematch with Max first? Well, I guess it all depends on how long this eye surgery is gonna take to recover from. If it's just a few months, I say screw it. Let's just go with Zombie and Volkanovski. Uh, I mean, let's face it. I love watching Zombie fight. So seeing him, you know, get another shot at the title would be, you know, a great watch for me, and I think for everyone else. He needs three months to recover. Oh, Volkanovski just fought. Like, they should just set that up. I mean, I think either way. I mean, we all look. We're all marks for the Korean zombie. But, um, Matt, um, Stefan, I know you love Max, too. Um, it was, depending on who you ask, that fight with Volkanovski might have been close with Max. What do you think? We're going to immediate rematch? Or if you had your brothers, just give, give Zombie another crack at that title? Um, It's one of those. I mean, so I'm biased. I, I like both guys. But, um, you know, as we get into our discussion about of the decade, Korean Zombie's my favorite fighter. Um, he's my favorite fighter above all of them. I just like him. He's never done anything to offend me in any regard. Um, he doesn't say a lot, so, you know, he, you know, it's uh, that whole better to keep your mouth sh- uh, shut, be thought a fool than to uh, open it. Not that he is, but, you know, he's pretty unoffensive of a guy. But So I, I obviously would love to see him get the shot. Um, when it comes to Max, it's like I'm of two thoughts of, you know, he was a pretty... He had a really good run, right? He kind of cleaned out that division more or less. Um, you know, he beat the supposed goat of the division. 
um, Jose Aldo, though I would you know argue against that. But a lot of times people do that. But he, he did it twice, and he did it incredibly convincingly. So if there's a guy who deserves an immediate rematch, I get it. But at the same time, and I know Mark has kind of made this point with other people in the past, is like when I look at that fight, like was it really that close? Did he do anything? Does it look – do I believe he'll do better this time around? Like it really wasn't that close either to me. Like, you know, it wasn't dominant – but Volkanovski controlled every aspect of that fight. There was no part of the fight that Holloway was winning. Um, you know, like, could he do more output? Maybe. But, like, if we were to see the same thing again, I would think that rematch is a waste. So does he deserve it? Yes. But at the same time, like, I'm not exactly clamoring for it because he just really didn't put up a fight against Volkanovski from what I saw. Yeah, and um, the concept of the automatic rematch and all those things. I mean, Mighty Mouse lost a split decision to Henry Cejudo and got traded to Asia. So... And he held that belt for 14 title defenses. So it's not like anybody's entitled to anything at this point in the UFC. Um, Mostly what I would want them to avoid, like the plague, is uh, Alexander and Zabit main event anything. Because I think both those guys are good and are totally deserving of that spotlight. But if that's a pay-per-view, that shit is not going to sell. Because <laughs> you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a lot of casual fans like, that's not I don't gonna even know how to event. pronounce these two names. Like, these two that's names not the main so event, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. If they're going to fight, they have to stack that as on a pay-per-view, and that has to be co-main at least. Because I think if that's the marquee, are those two guys? And I think I don't know how many people saw Max's fight with Alexander, um, and even more so, I'm kind of I've been more concerned that even if a lot of people did see that fight, when it's just Alex, when it's just Volskanalki versus Magalovs, I think that that marquee is just going to be like I, 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 I don't I don't know how to pronounce those names. I don't know who the fuck they are skip <laughs> especially when they're going to raise the price too it's just like you need to have that be a co-main that's a strong co-main um otherwise you put zombie in there you put max that sells just fine yeah um we'll see how they go with this co-main event on this one was alexander rakic big prospect taking on vulcan ozdemir and i think it's time we give a little bit of credit to vulcan ozdemir here mike because man got his ass kicked in a few fights there and all, all the shine had worn off and Let's be honest, it very much looked like they were setting him up to fight this prospect, you know, for him to lose. He won a split here, but it's a man who did well late in fight, got two straight wins now. Ozdemir showing that he's still going to be somewhat of a player in this division, huh? Yeah, you know, it's a shame that the the, the shine really wore off on him, you know, after he lost to, after he lost to DC and then, you know, he stumbled a bit after that as well. Uh, you know, you forget that he was actually a really good fighter i mean people had a lot of buzz behind them um you know this fight was really entertaining to watch i don't understand how the other guy really could say in the press conference afterwards that you know the people really know who won that fight um so yeah i thought it was really good for for ozdemir to to get the win um not so much for me because i was really hoping he was gonna lose so that i would not end up in last in our picks but for ozamir not so bad yeah um a lot you know it was a close fight but it was i think it was hard for anybody to definitively say yeah i definitely won that shit it was very close and you can't give up the third round to vulcan ozamir who do you come on now ozamir's only got about two rounds of energy uh korean superboy got knocked out and the Korean Superboy's Korean military service actually starts now. So we're not seeing him for two years. Um, in that time off, Steph, I'd like Korean Superboy to maybe come back fighting more like Korean Zombie. Which is not saying not action-packed, but maybe a little more, slightly more defensive. 
Just enough that you're not getting domed on. Mm-hmm. Wait, that seems like an oxymoron. If you say you wanted to fight more like zombie, but be defensive. well, I mean, zombie, zombie post getting kicked in the head by Roop became less like hands in his pockets fighting dudes. Like that's fair. He just, you know what I mean? Oh, like no. I'm not saying like like Gaethje's fighting slightly more reserved now too, just a little bit more measured with his shots. He, he just needs, he needs more motion. Um, yeah. he needs he needs to do more footwork. Um, he needs to set up his strikes. He gets a little head honey. Mm. Um. You know, it's why wouldn't you? He, he was young and he was he was he was murking people, right? Mm-hmm. He, he was just wrecking people. So it's like we've seen it with a, a ton of fighters. You kind of fall in love with your hands. Um, I think it's kind of shown he doesn't have as good of a chin as Zombie. Um, you know, so he does need to shore up his defense. Um, you know, hopefully he's in the same situation as Zombie was with his military service, where it's kind of like an office job across the street from his gym, anyways. And he's just training all the time. Um, with anybody yeah. doing with anybody doing Korean military service, you just hope the North Koreans don't get a wild hair up their ass one day. Is really what you're asking for? Is asking <laughs> I mean, more. Now's not the greatest time. There's a lot of escalations going on these days with that uh that's that country. But um, yeah, clearly he he needs to work on his defense. He, he, he still has power. He fades a little bit the more a fight wears on. Um, you know, he kind of gets discouraged if he can't put away a guy early. So um, yeah, he he's he's still young, right? He's he's got a ton of talent. He's got great power for the division. He just he needs to put it all together. That's all. Um, we didn't watch any of us. I don't think any of us watched this fight. But Stefan mentioned mentioned this guy is the biggest favorite on the card, Cyril Gain or Gane. I don't know how to say this dude's name exactly. Went out there, put a beating on the other guy. Won a thirty twenty six decision. He is now six and zero overall. Three and zero in the UFC. You win three fights at heavyweight in the UFC. They got to give you somebody with a Wikipedia page, right, Mark? Just somebody we recognize if you are winning fights. Uh, I, especially in the heavyweight division. I mean, that that is probably the division you need to do the least amount of work to really get your name out there. And he having what you said, it was four in a row in the UFC. Three in the UFC, six okay. overall. Yeah, I mean, six and oh is what my concern is, is like, let's maybe not go nuts here because we've had a lot of guys like, oh, oh, this guy's going to be the future. And it's like, and then he loses. And it's like, oh, we really put way too much stock in that guy. He's still a young fighter. Six fights is not a lot. Even I like the Ben Rothwell idea someone had. I don't know where I read it. I think that's not a bad idea. Someone like Ben Rothwell level. Like, yeah, I mean, he, uh, at this point, you need to give him someone with a name. I just want to give him the upper echelon. You know, there's yeah. no reason why he needs to be fighting, you know, the, the contenders just yet. Someone in there that we're somewhat familiar with, I think, is a, a good starting off point. He wins that fight. Maybe then, you know, we escalate it up to someone that is a, a, a former contender of some sort. And then if he gets that fight, maybe we really start considering them in the title picture. But, you know, I, it's tough because the heavyweight division, if he if this guy can stick around, he can make a long career out of it. We've seen a lot of old heavyweights kind of hold on to the Yeah, card. he's only 29. He's five years away from his prime at heavyweight. Yeah, so, I mean, let's not rush it, right? We have some time. The division... Well, it's not, it's not in the greatest shape. You know, we're kind of in this, you know, we don't know what's happening with Stipe in D.C. There's talks of John Jones. So there's some interest, you know, there's some players in, in the game. And then you have um, the guy that just knocked out over him. There's a lot of things going on in, uh, of course, Francis. So there's a lot of players. So we don't need to rush this guy to the front of the line just yet. I think he needs to be a little bit more battle tested. But, you know, three in a row is pretty fucking good for heavyweight. You know, I think it was... What's that guy's name that just beat Overeem? I think he has the long win streak right now with four. So yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. Ru- Ru- Ruzer. The, oh yeah, right. Uh, Biggie the guy boy. With the name. Biggie, Biggie boy. boy. That's right. Biggie boy. Biggie boy. Biggie boy. Um. Yeah. So yeah. Um. 
not a bad card. I mean, it was on at a time that I didn't expect any, expect any of us to watch it. I do like I love the ESPN. It when I wake up and just all the results are there right in front of me. I know what I want to watch, what I don't want to watch. I, I didn't. Uh, I was, you know, they segment out the fights on ESPN Plus, and I saw the length of some of them, and I'm like, I saw Ozdemir and Rakic. I'm like, oh, this is going to take a little bit. Okay. <laughs> but the uh, I saw how short Edgar and Zombie was. I'm like, well, I picked that wrong. There's no way Frankie Edgar knocked out the Korean zombie. Maybe, maybe he got a weird choke, like by some dumb luck, but I'm like, nope. And then I saw the Duho one was short. I'm like, that could have gone either way. I don't know. So, um, anyway, um, the other actual big news we got this week is that Henry Cejudo has vacated the flyweight championship. Um, and I think a better way of, a better, a big question right now would be why did it take this long for, cause, Let's be honest, vacate means the UFC is about to book a fight and they were going to strip him. So why it took six months to do this is beyond me. Um, as Joseph Benavidez sat at his house waiting to be in a fight. Um, all we got so far is a fight booked here. Joseph Benavidez versus Mark and I's guy, Davison Figueredo, um, who Mark, I swear I was talking about that guy's couple fights a few, like it finally paying off right here. Um, He's coming. He's won two in a row. He's seventeen and one overall. His only loss is to Juicy A Formiga. He's taking on Benavidez on what you damn well know is a ESPN Plus card in the main event um, at the end of February on Leap Day. Um, I Marcus at this point is just a matter of we're asking like if this incarnation of Joseph Benavidez is still good enough to be the man in a division. I guess right. Yeah, I mean, he has a you know, a top contender here that I I think he's has totally has the skill set and I imagine the athleticism still to 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 win and, and finally capture that belt that he's been chasing for a long time. I honestly just hope that you know if Benavidez or even Formiga, whoever wins the belt, it, it's not fair. Figueroa, Figueroa, uh, it's yeah. not fair to them, but they kind of need to make some noise. Um, that division is like pretty much dead on arrival. And I think Henry did a lot to kind of get people interested in it, whether they didn't like him because he was being very flamboyant about him being double champ or whatever. It's just that division's always suffered, right? There's been, it's always been the lowest rung on the bar and having someone that's kind of loud and is making some noise like Henry did, I think is probably the best thing for that division. They need a star and Benavides has been around for a long time. I don't think this, uh, so I'm going to fuck up his name again for Figueroa. Right. Um, I, he doesn't, from what I've seen, isn't really, I mean, he's a great fighter. He's a fun fighter. There's a lot of fun fighters at 125. There's no shortage of that. It's just they need a start to get people interested because the promotion isn't going to promote it. So they need someone that is going to be able to promote themselves. And, you know, Henry was able to do that. He obviously had a lot of history behind him being a, a gold medalist. You know, there was a lot of hype coming into that fight. He beat, you know, the unbeatable guy in Mighty Mouse. There's a lot of reasons to kind of get he excited. smoked DJs. There's a lot of, man, Mighty, I mean, and I think we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. We're going to really going to spend the rest of this show talking about our favorite moments and best moments of the decade and things, our takeaways. This would be a good example of us pointing out that we have all, it's probably become abundantly clear to all of us that the UFC doesn't know how to promote anybody. They, anybody who becomes a star happens, just happens to become a star. It's not because the UFC did anything specific to make them a star. And, uh, God knows they don't know how to make, how to book, how to do anything but yell in a pay-per-view commercial. And yelling about the flyweights, does, they don't know how to do anything with them. So, yeah, I mean, I my takeaway from this, a lot of it for me, Steph, was reading that Benavidez hasn't had a title shot in six years. 
And we were at that title shot, and it made me honestly just feel old. Because him losing the Mighty Mouse in Sacramento does not feel like six years ago at all. <laughs> it's just one of those things. We've seen it in other divisions, right, when someone's lost to the champ for, like, two times. And so what's the onus to give him a third one? We saw it with Misha and Ronda, right? So, like, sometimes people just exist because yeah. there's no reason to give him a title shot. And that's and that's what happens. Like, that's why Marcola says is, you know, when you have someone retire or vacate or change class, it kind of resets the division. The matchups are all new again, right? Uh, it kind of just refreshes everything. But, yeah, when you have a long-reigning dominant champion, um, a division can look mighty and healthy. Look at light heavyweight, right? There yeah. might be talent in this division as far as we know, but when everyone loses to John Jones, at the end of the day, it, it feels barren, right? Every division seems more interesting the second a long-reigning champion goes down. Like, middleweight got more interesting when Anderson went down. When GSB finally lost his belt, all of a sudden the welterweight title was moving around. Every division's been like this, to be honest. Um, Mike... Um, the UFC not being able to promote anything to save their lives. The last person to beat Henry Cejudo was Joseph Benavides. Why and why the fuck couldn't they promote a rematch between that between like I can't think of a more promotable flyweight title fight than someone who beat the champion already once. I mean, it sounds like did Henry want to go back down to one twenty five? Because I think Henry wanted to keep both belts, and they told him pick one. Yeah, be because he last fought, well, was it when he beat TJ back in, in January of this year? He hasn't fought since. I know he was... Well, no, uh, he, beat up, uh, he beat up Marlon and took TJ's belt when TJ got stripped. Remember? He fought wait, Marlon he fought, for the... He fought TJ in January. And he then fought he, fought, he fought Marlon because for the interim, for the for the, for the title when they, stri- when they stripped TJ because... Ah, right. Yeah, they were, they were going to have him fight TJ again, I think, or whatever, because he wanted to... He's like, I beat him. Give me a title shot. So, and then he knocked out Marlon in, I don't know, March, April, June, something. But he is, he's been hurt. He's been out since. So, and I mean, honestly, I don't know. It seemed like I, a logical matchup to me personally. And honestly, it was a good I, fight. I, I think it one. makes a lot. I think for, for Cejudo, it makes logical sense to not go back to 125 because you're already champ at 135. I mean, I know he probably got the weight cut down to a science because after those first few fights when he missed the, you know, 125 pounds, he was able to get down to 125. Mm. But he was always a massive flyweight and you're already the champ at 135. Why would you want to go back down and lose those extra 10 pounds to fight at 125? I mean, I honestly think I think it had to be that they made him choose because he did seem like he wanted to champion this weight class. Like I remember Marcus, he really was talking about like he wanted to like make the division interesting and all that stuff. And he really did for a hot minute there. I mean, him and TJ, a lot of people watched that fight. You see, they did good numbers. So. You see, you say he wanted to make the flyweight division interesting. I think what he really more accomplished more than anything is making Henry Cejudo at least interesting. Well, I which, mean, of course, that was his primary goal. Do. I mean, right now, I mean, he's going to defend a title against Jose Aldo somehow. That's what he's working on now. Um. Anyway, uh. We're open for the rest of this episode because I don't know when nothing else that really happened. Um, Bellator is going to do a show. I don't know. Is Do we have another show before Bellator does their show? We can talk about it then. I mean, it's this <laughs> Saturday, so I don't think so. It is? I thought they're doing yeah, it on New Year's. before New Year's. It's I thought it was on New Year's. There's no, actual one it's also in Japan, so it's like a day ahead. I think it's on the 30th, but it'll be the uh, 29th for us. This isn't... Uh, it's got some stuff that's not bad. It was better when... Um, Chandler was going to face Bendo again. Yes. 
I was excited for that. Um, that was a really good fight. We, Mark and I were at the first one where Bendo kept getting German suplexed by Michael Chandler. And the crowd was still pretty sure Bendo won. I'm not really sure what happened there. I mean, uh, randomly, we have lines on a handful of these fights, and I barely ever expect that with Bellator cards. Yeah, what is Rampage an underdog? Uh, you want to guess the line? What do you think Fedor and Quentin Jackson, the line looks like? in? 20- I got Fedor minus 190, Quentin plus 160. Any disagreements from you fellas? No. I think it's in that ballpark. I, I don't know how they both done. You got it. the same favorites. You got the same favorites as I got Fedor as the favorite. Both of you. Uh, sure, I'd say so. Why not? Okay. What what is it, Steph? It's a motherfucking coin toss. Fedor minus one twenty. Rampage minus one ten. You're getting bad odds either way. No one's it's, a true underdog. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a three round decision, folks. Um, <laughs> is this that heavyweight? Like flat out heavyweight? Like Quentin can show up at two fifty? No, yeah. no one's not getting uh, no two hundred five. I'm not even saying two hundred five. I thought maybe it was gonna be a Quentin weight, like two thirty. Maybe it's in Japan, Fedor is <laughs> gonna wear shoes and his sweater. Oh God! Fate, uh, Rampage uh, is going to show up after Christmas dinner, two hundred and fifty pounds stuck. Is, do do we know? Is it in a cage? Is it under Bellator rules or is it under Rising rules? Because that like, good, kind of changes the game significantly. I was going to say, if it's in a ring, I give Quentin a better. I mean, I think Quentin's going to win personally. Um, they're both pretty washed, but I saw I was uh, Quentin knocked somebody out when I was there, like last. So I'm rolling off entirely that momentum. Um, I don't know. Um, Lorenz Larkin and Nakamura's. Not a bad fight either, That's Marcus. Cool. There's a handful That's of good ones. And then uh, Crunkshank and uh, Yamauchi. Yeah, and, um, and is, this guy, is this guy Page fighting any good? Probably not, right? He's got a Wikipedia uh, page. So based a- on the betting line, uh, Michael Page is a minus 800 favorite on a uh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, Andy Nguyen. I feel, like, T- I feel like they just get dudes that are like in CrossFit classes to fight my MVP at this point. That's what yeah. they yeah. This guy he's fighting, Shinsho Enzari. He 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 was fighting in the UFC. And he, okay. he basically went two and two there. So when? What American knocked him out, Mark? Uh he got submitted by Jake Matthews. He got TKO'd by Alberto Mina. Okay, hey, Jake Matthews. Defer- I remember Jake Matthews. Losing, I know, Jake Matthews ain't bad. Yeah. I don't know who Alberto Mina is. Um this guy is 34 years old. 11 wins, 3 losses. He's got 7 wins by knockouts. What does he, like, do? Okay, he was good in some... Sp- oh, he's a wrestler. Okay. They should do that. Um, doesn't Beltor have, a, like, a... Not- didn't... Uh- oh, McFarlane fought last weekend, didn't she? Or is that... It's coming yeah, up. no, it was, it was this weekend in Hawaii. I believe she won. I like that she just lives... She did- That's where they just do fights now. I feel every time they do a fight in Hawaii, they're just telling the UFC, kiss my ass. They're not afraid to go there. <laughs> Well, they don't put her in a big arena. That's probably part of it, too. Um, yeah, she clean swept um, Kate Jackson. She's actually a teammate of... Um, uh, uh, McFarland's a teammate of Liz Carmouche, and Carmouche said she has no problem fighting her, so... That's not bad either right there. And uh, AJ McKee got a win in that in their little tournament they got going on for uh, featherweights. Anyway, let's talk about the decade that was the 2010s. Um... You think about where this sport started in like in 2010, the first UFC pay-per-view of the year was Rashad Evans and Tiago Silva headlining UFC 108, which Stefan, I'm not sure you remember this, was you and me watching that at a bar in LA. If you remember that, just random bar we found in LA because we were going to the uh, Rose Bowl. That yeah, year. it was nice. Is that the one where um, 
Lil Nog, uh, he he got lifted by uh, Rumble. No, no, I think we were at that one. Oh. I think we were physically in the building for that one. This was, uh, I don't think Rumble was at Rumble weight that back then. This might have been Rumble still trying to be a welterweight back in UFC 108. It was that long ago. Paul Daly murdered uh, Dustin Hazlitt on that card. Oh, remember Dustin Hazlitt? That's vaguely familiar. That was the one who looked, he looked like Harry Potter, kind of. <laughs> no, not Harry Potter, McLovin. He was the one who looked like McLovin. Oh, was that, that his, was his nickname? That was his nickname, yeah. All right. Um, Force still existed when the decade started. Uh, WC still existed. There was only five UFC divisions at the time. There was no Bantamweight, Featherweight, Flyweight. There was no women's divisions at all. So Anyhow, literally, there will never have women fighting. Exactly. There was five UFC weight classes. There are now 12 UFC weight classes. Too many. If you want to count women's featherweight, so let's go with 11, really. Um, that is, you know, the whole goddamn sport changed. Um, just, you know, nothing really serious here. Just talking. What would you guys say, um, Mark, as was the most important, the most important fighter or fighters that we saw in the last 10 years? I'm okay. It's like such a broad question. And then I don't like, mean like how many fighters. I mean, that's my best, most important, the most important fighters. Well, yeah, I mean, I, um, we talked about it. I mean, it's the obvious ones, right? It has to be. That's why they're the yeah. most important. It, it, it's Ronda and Connor, right? They're they're both the ones that elevated the sport um, beyond what just exposing people to MMA uh, would have done, right? I mean, at this point, people knew what the UFC was. It was on cable television. It had broken. I would say into the mainstream consciousness where people, you could go to someone and say like, oh, you, you know what mixed martial arts is, UFC. And more often than not, someone would have some vague recollection of what you're talking about. Um, those two brought it to the masses and really popularized it. I mean, obviously, Ronda getting women uh, into the sport uh, was huge, you know, I think. And, and her being an ambassador and then just how dominant she was um, just made her an instant star. Um, and then Connor, I mean, really... I mean, it was, I think, not to discredit Rhonda, but she had a lot. I mean, she had a massive following before she really got big, right? I mean, I remember hearing about Rhonda before she was even in Strike Force. I think it was on, um, shit, what's that MMA site we used to go to that was really brash and rash? You know, Sherlock? the bad boy one. No, no. Bloody the elbow? one that was, which one? Bloody Elbow? No. Potato? No, the one that we used to watch. Page Potato was great. Middle Easy. Middle Easy. There we go. Oh, that's man. my trashy boy. God, Middle Easy was the best. Oh, I love Middle Easy. I saw, I, that's where I saw Ronda first. Like, they were talking about Ronda before I, I knew who she was. And then, obviously, when, it, she, went, when she went into Strike Force, um, you know, and she was just – there was already a star there. And then the UFC just kind of got a lasso on her and just let her buck uh, to, to the masses. But, you know, Connor was really someone that – really went out of his way to market himself. I mean, somewhat like a Chael Sonnen, right? He talked a big game, but he also backed it up. And unlike Chael, he backed it up with a style that everyone could get behind. He had a nation behind him, which we saw is also very instrumental in becoming a superstar, like we saw with George St. Pierre and even, to a lesser extent, Michael Bisping. You know, when you're in, when you're from a different country and you can kind of get that country behind you to really support you, I mean, you can become a major star. And Connor had that, you know, the uh, Irish fans followed him and made him a superstar and just got everyone else more excited. Um, and obviously his jumping over to fighting, you know, the most high profile boxer, you know, of the decade as well was also. Uh, honestly, Marcus, I still can't believe that happened. Like we like that actually. Yeah, he, he, he manifested that shit. And we literally got an O and O boxer. I mean, an MMA fighter, but still like uh, the greatest, the, arguably the greatest boxer ever. 
Yeah, and I guess you know against million pay per view buys. Just yeah, in case just you guys Jesus, forgot. Jesus Christ. And I think know. we can put a pin in that as probably like easily one of the biggest moments in MMA of the decade was it wasn't yeah. an MMA event, right? It was a boxing event because we had this quintessential superstar going after the best the best pound for pound boxer that may have ever lived, you know, and that for and Connor was talking about it for years and we talked about it for years saying that this is never going to happen and it slowly started getting closer to happening. It was just like, is this, it seems like this might, you know, every weekend yeah. now we're like, it, it, maybe it's going to happen. It seems, I look, it I, I, we look, I look such, such a dumbass every week. I just be like, it's not happening. I don't know what we're talking about it. Then it happened. Yeah. So um, I, he, I, would, I would say those two for sure. Just he really, they really like Connor. I mean, Rhonda strapped the women's division to her back, all of the divisions, quite frankly, and ran with it. Connor really helped us all realize, um, like, I mean, in MMA, because the boxing already had it, where you can sell a lot of pay per views and be in a lighter weight class. Um, Mike, it's something that like boxing is known for a while now. I mean, the back of, on the backs of people like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, Shane Mosley, where like, you don't have to be 200 plus pounds to sell pay-per-views. Connor kind of, once the WEC got in there, mostly thanks to guys like, you know, Faber and Aldo, Connor was able to really elevate those weight classes, specifically featherweight to a whole new level, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, boxing, well, over the last 20 to 25 years, if you're not counting the resurgence that heavyweights have had with, you know, with Fury, that British dude, and uh, and, and Wilder, uh, it's been, you know, the lighter weight classes that have really, you know, dominated the popularity. And, you know, for the UFC, it's kind of been that way over the last 10 years. I mean, outside of, you know, john jones's run at, at 205 where everyone wants to see his fights um you know the really exciting fights are what 185 and and below or maybe 170 and below and connor really you know encompassed that over the last uh you know five to six years or so um you know i still remember the first fight i saw with him um if i'm right this was uh the first uh ufc on fox august 17th if i'm right 2000 and actually 11 if i'm right what no you didn't you didn't see him knock out our boy marcus brimage before that no um i remember because i remember no because that was uh was that 2011 Oh, Mike, you got to understand no. the context of him knocking out Marcus Brimage. Yes. I yeah, love, that, I love it demoralized Marcus all of us. Well. <laughs> I, I, I have never felt more personally attacked in an MMA fight. Oh, boy. I mean, just for context, if you, if for those of you who joined after Connor, you know, became a star, our man Marcus Brimage loved Dragon Ball Z. Well, when we <laughs> say friend of the podcast, by the way, Marcus Brimage responded to us a lot. Like a lot, friend of the podcast is Marcus Brimage, but my man loved Dragon Ball Z. He said the reason he got into fighting was because of Piccolo. You know, like he credits it for why he fought at all. My man shows up in a DBZ scouter, and I'm like, oh yeah, I love Marcus Brimage. And then this dude, this Irish dude who I didn't know who the fuck he was, comes out and he calls Marcus Brimage a child. He says he's a child and he's immature and he likes this. <laughs> dumb anime <laughs> shit and then he puts he gives the man an ass beating of a lifetime yeah it's like your dad said 
grow up, son. You can't watch this cartoon crap anymore and just beat the shit out of him. And that's what happened. And I, I felt that in my soul. That hurt. That hurt to yeah, see. I, I, remember, I remember Connor showing up on Ariel's show before that fight. And I didn't know who he was. I just heard that, like... We're gonna. He's like Ariel was like, we're gonna have Conor McGregor on. I've never had more people request to have a guy on the show. He holds two welts and cage warriors. He's gonna make his UFC debut, and Conor just went on this giant rant about like he's funny as shit. He's like, I don't have a pot to piss in. He was making jokes. He's like, I'm gonna knock this guy out. I'm gonna knock that guy out. And I'm like, well, this guy's not lacking confidence. And then he murdered a guy. Just, I mean, poor Marcus, man. That was rough. Um, we have a lot, quite frankly, this is such a, like, it was a, a decade is a lot of time. Quite frankly, there was a hundred and fifth, 130 plus UFC pay-per-views, not counting the number of events overall. Um, I guess, let me, Steph, let me just ask you, what was your favorite moment for whatever reason in the last decade of MMA? Oh, that is tough to say um, and we're all gonna i mean all of you guys we're gonna i'm gonna ask all of you guys and just have some backups because i feel we were in the arena together for some of these we might have I mean, to think of a backup plan part of me like i gotta i gotta look come back to me because i gotta look up the date of something to make sure it's the time like you said 10 years is a lot of time so like right, you were okay mike do you have it off, off the top of your head we were talking about it yeah I, I got one and i'll let you bob go for the one i think all of us will eventually say and we'll have um, a few. We're just talking. It's not yeah. like you have to pick one, but go so ahead. I'll go with um, my uh, second favorite. Um, it was my second UFC event that I ever went to. And it was my second UFC event in as many months. This was during our 3L year of law school. So this was uh, March 2011. Um, we had just finished going to the UFC event in February where we watched the... Uh, um, where we watched Anderson, uh, you know, front kick uh, Vitor Belfort, and we saw a still not UFC uh, champion, Johnny Bones, fighting another up and coming uh, prospect um, in Ryan Bader, and thoroughly um, dismantle him. And we learned after his fight against Bader that Rashad was hurt, if I'm right, and he was gonna have to, you know, he was gonna step in for Rashad against Shogun the the next month. For a, for a UFC lightweight title fight. And as luck would have it, me, Bobby, and our friend Sal were actually going to go to that event as well. So we somehow lucked out into a another UFC title fight in Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center. Yeah, we had tickets for Rashad versus Shogun, and we were not that excited because we're like, oh, this could go Shogun if I get wrestle fucked here. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go I ahead. I just realized what I just did. I realized we had tickets for a UFC title fight already. Yeah, but we, we, did, we didn't want to... We bought, that we we bought shitty tickets. It. We bought shitty upper deck seats because we're like, how much do we really want to pay for this fight? But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so what that, that what that allowed to happen is that we were in the arena for what's so far been UFC history. Um, when John Jones beat Shogun from right in the first round or second round to become the, the young the youngest UFC champion. And almost, you know, almost a eight, nine years later since then, um, nobody I think has come close to to beating that record. And um, you know, it was electric. I mean, except for our friend Sal, because he really didn't want to be there. 
and he was just crowd watching the whole time. I feel kind of bad for Sal, but me and Bobby had a great time, and that was a great. I mean, I got started getting sad somewhere in the middle of the ass beating Shogun was taking, because I was like, this is demoralizing. Shogun's getting beaten like he like he stole something from Jones. And Mm -hmm. I know I've told this story before on this podcast, and probably around the time when it happened, Mm -hmm. but. Um, I remember I was rooting for Shogun alongside Bobby as well, mainly because the people of New Jersey pissed me off. Why did they, they piss me him. off? Because I was at the John, you know, relieving myself, and some New Jerseyans were just in there, you know, talking about the fights. And they're like, hey, so who are these guys in the main event? And they're like, ah, well, there's John Jones and Shogun Rua. And right there, that right there just killed him the call, really. <laughs> you know what? Shogun didn't deserve his have his name pronounced pronounced correctly in that fight. It was a slaughter. Um, Steph, do you have you have it now? Um, yeah, I mean I can think of a lot of moments. Um yeah. kind of one thing that just tilts it in terms of, you know, just we're just talking about our personal favorites. Um when you're there, it's always different, right? I'm yeah. I'm sure I could probably talk about like a lot of like pivotal, monumental moments in just the sports history. We had a lot of great matchups. You know, um, kind of one thing that I enjoyed from afar was Eddie Alvarez winning the belt. Right? He didn't have he didn't have a big moment in the sun, but to see like if if you've been with this podcast, if you've been a longtime fan, we called it uh, the Mark and Stefan seven the seven slot special when we used to do our rankings of fighters. Whoever the whoever we thought the best guy outside of the UFC, they went into that number seven slot on our rankings. You know, it was your Hector Lombards, your Ben Askrens, and your Eddie Alvarez's, right? These were the guys that we changed. I was going to say, that's it. It was exactly three people. <laughs> there was nobody else. Um, like, <laughs> like, you know, I, I've made it. It's like, I, I got to stop picking it. I, I can't pick against guys who I own a T-shirt of, you know? And I got that Eddie Alvarez, uh, King of the Underground, or Underground King shirt. I, that's one of the best nicknames in all of MMA to me still to this day. And so when he like, and this was like, I'm gonna call it, I'm, I'm gonna say steroided up, uh, Rafael dos Anjos. Cause I don't understand that fucking run he was on and he hasn't been the same since. Um, but he was just absolutely like terminatoring like T2 and people and just destroying people in like on a warpath. And Eddie Alvarez came in and just boxed him the fuck up. Yep. Oh, um, it's, comically embarrassed by conor mcgregor right you know uh so that was just one of those moments to seeing seeing one of these guys from outside have his moment in the sun but my personal favorite moment was a i was there moment um and i believe it was ufc 175 um mark name dropped her already but seeing ronda rousey in person she felt like a goddamn superhero i'll never forget the look on your guys's face because the fight was – I'm sorry to cut in on yours, but sure. I remember this because we were all sitting next to each other. And we met Judo Jean LaBelle earlier that day, I think. Yeah. I, it was either earlier or after. But, like, we met after. Judo Jean, but it was after. But I remember we're sitting there, and Alexis Davis, they're doing the, they're doing the face-off. And we're, we're looking at Alexis Davis like – we all literally said the same thing. We're like, oh, she's not ready. She does how she's not ready. You can see it in her eyes. There's a, there's a and handful then, of times you can the, see someone like the moment is too big for them. Mm-hmm. And you saw it with Alexis Davis. No, like the fight started. What was it the one where she just hit her three times, threw her on her ass, hit her three more she times? Knocked was her over. outstanding. Head tossed her anyways, and she was knocked out again. Uh, and then submitted her in the thing. It was basically we, a triple finish. I remember we just sat there. Nobody said anything for like at least three or four seconds after the knockout. And one of you just said, "Wow." That was it. Like she murdered her. It was destruction. I mean, yeah, it wasn't an amazing fight. Right, it wasn't a back and forth. It's not one 
that you'll really need to watch again, but maybe anyways, because it's it's a gif long fight. You know, it's if you can watch that thing in ten seconds. But just that whole setup to see the fan base there, the amount of young girls and women who are attending this fight, and it's why it hurt me when she finally lost to Holm, is because Ronda Rousey was the closest thing I ever like experienced to a person being a goddamn superhero. Like, you know, you can look up to football players and basketball players, but it's just a different beast when you're look like she's a fighter. She could physically like hurt you, defeat people. She could defend you if you were in danger and under attack. She's a superhero, you know. Like, do you remember? Do you remember when the first time they put the women her as a main event over guys, and it was actually some sort of big deal? And like now, people don't bat a fucking eye if it's a women's main event. If it was then, it wasn't to me, you know. So whatever noise that was, <laughs> um, it wasn't anything I listened to because, yeah, you know, um, Ronda was just a unique thing and. I kind of hate the people who kind of retroactively like to hate and diss her because you don't understand how much she meant to the sport and how much she meant to people in a new generation. And that's the thing is we will see as the women ranks grow these kind of, you know, Macy Barbers and everything of the world. I'm sure every one of them saw Ronda Rousey. And when they're like 14, 15 years old, like maybe I can do that. You know, uh, maybe it wasn't she's not the inspiration for all of them. But she's probably the kind of the trigger point for a lot of them. It's like when the Dream Team went to Europe in 92, and that inspired a whole generation of these European kids to pick up basketball instead of kicking a soccer ball. And now we have like these players like Luka Doncic in the NBA now. Like There are turning points in the sports, like lifeblood, and Ronda Rousey was one of them. You can really trace back a lot of those things, like because of her, you can almost trace the line. Like And like to a lesser degree, you talk about like the, some of the explosion of like, this is a much smaller degree, but like M- European MMA, a lot of that came out of Michael Bisping, to be honest, you know, and some, and people like him, the explosion of Canadian MMA. Honestly, like when you get a person representing a group, and in this case, her representing the entire gender, to be honest, like her personal, um, flaws, you know, and look, look, Rhonda's not a great loser, you know, it's obvious, like she's not a, per- like, about that but like her actual impact cannot be diminished you know it just can't anybody who says otherwise is a fucking idiot even misha tate never diminished ronda's like legacy she's like ronda's the reason we're all here she'll say you know she knows it that's you know it's before i mean it was cyborg and gina carano obviously had something to do with that but and ronda would be the first to tell you but like her bringing women's mma to where it is huge um, Marcus, your favorite moment. Oh uh, yeah. I was, I lucked out. I had a couple, uh, Stefan did, did mention Eddie, uh, Eddie's victory to get the 155 belt, uh, which was also really cool. Was, yeah, also, I just want to chime in. It was cool. Just how he did it. He hadn't had an exciting fight in the UFC. He had become a really boring fighter to get to that title. And then he won it the way, like, he's like, yes, that's how you're supposed to fight. Look at you fought the way you're supposed to. And you that won. was such a good fight. It's just, like, it's just like a little kid. Like he's doing it. He's riding the bike just the way I told him to. Um, but I'm also going to mention a live event that we went to and we went to, we've been to a lot of live events and we've been really lucky to have, to watch a lot of really fun fights. But I think this is one of the events that had probably like the two best fights. And, um, I'm referring to UFC, uh, 139 and this is Dan Henderson, Shogun and also Vanderlei Silva, uh, Kung Lee. And really, I'm just like, like I was talking about, we, we've been to a lot of events. We've shared great moments. A lot of times. You know, there's there's no thrill quite as high as when you have a lot of fucking money riding on the main events and then 
that main event comes through. That is a spectacular feeling to uh, to really heighten that moment. Uh, but this event was just fucking great ass fights, and that's what I'm really here for. I mean, look at making money off fights is really fucking cool and, and should be illegal in some way. Like I shouldn't be able to to profit off having this much fun betting on fights. But you know, I've always loved MMA for just action fighters and fantastic fights, and just showing two guys just going head-to-head, grinding it out in just spectacular fashion where no guy will wilt. That's what we saw in Dan Henderson and Shogun. And then Vanderlei Silva and Kung Lee was just like a dream match, like this really cool stylistic Muay Thai versus Kung Lee was just like a fucking superstar then. Um, I remember, I mean, one of the first MMA fights I went to, which was, you know, not in this decade, so I can't talk about it too too much. Um, You know, it was the first Strike Force event, and it was the first time seeing kung lee live um and i've actually seen him a lot because you know before that espn was probably espn too was not too shabby about showing some k1 shit every now and then and kung lee would be on that he'd be doing his sancho bullshit which was like (laughs) it's like like a sport that like he was like the master of and no one else knew what the fuck was going on i was like we're kickboxing i was like well he's also gonna scissor 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 take you down for five points like wait there's fucking points like what's going on And, and he was just he was great at it but like no one I mean, he was just beating up bums there. But his transition into MMA was something I was really excited about. I knew this dude was special, and he showed it early on in his career. I mean, look, he wasn't fighting the top-tier caliber guys. But just, like, he's doing shit that I didn't think was possible. Like, literally in real life. Like, you see spinning kicks and shit on movies. But in the octagon, the two, the true testing ground in MMA, very few guys could do what he did, like what you see in the movies. Because it just takes a certain mastery to have those techniques just i mean his style is i mean there's really no one else that does front kicks and side kicks like this guy does and his spinning shit is just awesome to this day axe kicks i mean his repertoire i still think is unmatched just with the per, uh just how precise he is too i mean some guys throw some crazy shit but this guy has thrown that crazy shit thousands of times and knows how to finish a fight with it so him and vanderley was just fucking awesome and then we're going into this main event and it's just like it's stan henderson and shogun like there's no way this is going to be bad. Like these, uh, these fighters at this time just don't have bad fights. And not only were we just treated to just like one of the best MMA fights of all time, it was an extra treat because they just implemented five rounds for the main events. So you're like, what better timing to have this new rule set like without a title to have five rounds because this is the fight we fucking needed in and, and Bobby and, and Steph and myself have, have told this story before, you know, at the end of the third round, People not knowing better, people wanting to beat the crowd, start leaving the arena, and it's like, slow the fuck down. Well, like, we all started yelling at people, like, turn around, there's three it, more. There's still, like, a war to be fought here. <laughs> this fight is not over yet. Um, so that was just an awesome moment, you know. Uh, I, I live for those type of fights, and it seems like it, it, there's, there's so many fights now. I mean, we, we're talking about a decade of fighting, which is kind of insane because... When I first got into this sport, there wasn't a decade of work to acknowledge and to, to, to film through and to kind of pick out, oh, these things happen. You know, it, it, it's very recent that we can kind of look back on 10 years and be like, yeah, there's 10 years of shit going on that we can really dissect. And um, but it's always the 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 barn or burn fights, you know, the fights that you'll remember forever. And that was definitely one of them. Just extra special because we were in the arena, too. You, you know what's nice? I'm realizing now that like. These this decade conversation could be like literally like fifteen episodes because just this one. Well, thing yeah, I mean, good. if we go through everybody, yeah. we didn't do everybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, uh, for me, look, we've talked about a lot of times how we won money when Anderson kicked Vitor's face off, um, and that was awesome. But 
I am just really happy. And this is just like it's a couple moments tied together and it's hard and it's um kind of cheating but whatever. Um I'm happy I was in the arena to see Anderson Silva fight. And I'm happy I saw it a few times. Um us being all there for Vitor getting kicked in the head was awesome. I'll never forget Anderson versus Chael, the first fight, to be honest. It was my first ever UFC event. That one don't count, though. I was looking at a I, There's a lot of things that came to mind, but they were in 2010. <laughs> and 2010 was that the decade. 2010 was the beginning of the decade. No. It was 2010 to 2009. Ago, Bobby, the one is the start of the decade. The 10 is the then you're saying. Then you're saying the year was, the decade was, you're saying the decade is nine years long, then, if you don't count 2010. We got one more year in this decade. No. Okay. No. For our purposes, we're counting on 2010 to 2019. I really, I mean, and being in the arena for Anderson's walkout is so cool. Back when it was like, good and not his son's song on Apple. He did that like once. <laughs> no, but him being in there, like, and like me watching Stefan get angrier and angrier at all the people rooting for Chael was still one of my favorite moments. I don't understand what happened. We were all on Anderson's side, and then in round four, everyone in Oakland became xenophobic as fuck. Yeah, what well, he was yeah. losing. He was losing. So uh, I'm not gonna root for the loser. Um, that was just. I mean, we. This really our takeaway from all this. Real takeaway really is to be the like going to a UFC event once is a good idea. At least, at least go one time. I had a friend, Mike and Mike, Mike and I had this friend named Noah, who we'd tell him we go to UFC events, and he'd say, Why would you go if the seat your seats, your views never gonna be as good as it was watching on TV? Which is true. But then he went to an event and he told me, and he didn't have that good of seats, and he says, Yeah, he's like, I was wrong. Just the atmosphere. And like going having the opportunity to go to a big fight, like a title fight, a pay-per-view is awesome. If you have the chance to go to a Vegas fight, it's even better. As bad as the Vegas crowd is, when the main event starts and the crowd, the arena's full and the you know they all come down like, and being there for Anderson's walkout was always cool. And I'm really happy I was able to see Connor fight and Ronda fight. Um, I think being able to see the them only like legend who we really didn't get to see fight in their heyday or period, I guess, is uh, GSP. But we kind of hit every oh, we would have wanted to. Mike and I are still angry about this because, as he mentioned, we went to UFC in February to see – we went to Anderson and Vitor. That was UFC 126. Then we went to UFC 128 in March. We were supposed to go to GSP versus Jake Shields in Canada. And all the fucking Canadians sold out a 60,000-seat arena during the pre-sale. I was so angry. That was the only one, man. And we tried to go see GSP um, a second time. We had tickets to see GSP Which versus – Diaz, when the GSP tore his uh, ACL. Oh, we paid to see GSP. Yeah. We didn't see uh, GSP. GSP owes me $60. GSP owes us all $60. We paid that GSP premium. Yeah, uh, we know it's $60 because for the same s amount of money, for only $60 less, we paid to see Anderson Silva in the same building. So $60 is what GSP owes me, all right? Um, yeah, I just... And... Uh, Rory and Robbie. Okay. And, you know, hoping, that whole card. I was hoping someone would mention that because that, Being, that one melts. That's the best fight I've ever seen. That one melts perfectly the two things Mark was talking about of just a damn good fight and putting money on it. Yeah. Because I remember, Bob, when we were at that uh, thing, I, I, I turned to you and I changed my bet right after. We were at the weigh-ins and Robbie came and out so stoic. And he just looked at Rory, didn't say a word. and just He looked like a serial killer. Pointed at him. Yeah, I, I like I kind of grabbed you like your the the chest of your shirt, and I was like, 
I just got a feeling. I'm changing my. I'm. I'm changing my bet. <laughs> we went right we to the sports this. book. I was like. I was like. I had Robbie or I had uh, Rory to win this, but just the look on Robbie's face, I'm like, he's gonna fucking win this fight. Man, there was a. Bet. There was a two year span where Robbie Lawler was the most entertaining fighter in MMA. Like just, just out, every fight was a goddamn war. Came out to like a funk music song, and I'm like, what is this? Like Robbie suddenly he's like coming out and dancing and bobbing his head. Like he's he just started having fun at this point in his career. And it brought him a title. Um, this is not related to the decade, but just I'm curious about this. Real quickly, all of you, without giving me a reason, give me your favorite male fighter and favorite female fighter right now who are currently fighting. Stefan. Uh, male, uh, Chan Sung Jung. Mm. Um, female, um, I just like her so much as a personality, and I'm always rooting for her c with her story. If we're going active, Michelle Watterson. All right. Um, Stefan, still giving a reason, despite... Just had to. I knew it was. I knew it was Michelle Waterson. I'm like Waterson number one, Grasso number two. It, it was um, mostly me having to think it through because you know I was immediately going to turn, turn out Rhonda, but you know she's not active. <laughs> um, for me it's Nate, Nate for sure right now, um, and then uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Those are my two favorites. Mike, Nate for me as well, and the other is my girl Rose. Mark, all right, I was just. Every time someone wins, I'm not going to say the same fucking person like Mike. That's weak shit. I got to bring my own spice. I'm like, oh, don't say my person. Don't say my uh, So for women, all, I'm going to go with Amanda. Uh, I, that last fight kind of takes a little bit of shine off, but like she's still riding. Like She's still goat right now to me. Um, and then male fighter. Oh, uh, it, it's hard because like I haven't been riding and dying with this guy forever, but I've always loved him. And it, just the star he is now, I'm just I'm so excited. Uh, Jorge Masvidal. I just, yeah. It's just so... Just to, just to know who this guy was for so fucking long and always oh, like, oh, this guy's bad. He's fucking good. And then, like, he's finally, like, he gained the recognition. And what sucks is, like, there's still so many other guys like him that I hope get the recognition that they deserve that has been in. I mean, like, we talk about like Eddie Alvarez, like, these guys. Hey, that Nate just, was one of those guys. And, and, and Nate's definitely one of those guys. And it's cool he was. that <laughs> Justin Gaethje, I think, is also one of those guys. What he's oh, done is yeah. he's kept that he's kept that ball rolling into the UFC career, which a lot of these other guys kind of fizz out a little bit. Um, and he's just been a superstar himself. So yeah, there's so many guys. Um, but yeah, Jorge Jeff definitely sticks out just because this year has just been, it's been a great combination of not just him changing how he fights, but also like his personality and being a lot more kind of charismatic and selling himself. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if we got, we got three weeks to kill, um, uh, we might talk more about the decade stuff next week. The plan is to give out our year end awards, which spoiler alert, I mean, I'm picking either Izzy Adesanya or Jorge Vospital as my fighter of the year. Mark knows this because I've at least five different times came to his desk and had this debate with myself in front of him. Um, we're going to talk about fighters of the year, female fighter of the year. We might have Amanda might get dethroned. Um, I feel she's bit might. She's been the number. She's been our fighter of the year, I think, for all of us. I mean, maybe it's just because we switch it up every now and then. I think we've Yeah, honestly, like, it might just be, I think it's like four years of Amanda being fighter of the year for like three of us at least. Um, I'm going to do my best to try to come up with what the best submission of the year was, guys, and give you guys a list. That's what we're going to do next week. Um, there's no UFC fight card until January 18th. We got a little bit of a break. Which I believe is Connor versus Cowboy. Which Cowboy said he wants to do a stand-up fight, which I'm like, yeah, I didn't expect you to start shooting. 50 fights in cowboy that's why they booked you in this thing um we'll talk about that as we get closer of course we'll try to do our uh award winners next year and hopefully there is a podcast next week because i am not equipped for two people being in the same room 
So, and Mike is going to be visiting. So we're going to see how that goes. Um, but let's do stuff we like. We promised you we we're going to talk about Star Wars, which we're going to do that at the end of the podcast here. Um, so, um, we'll give you fair warning about spoilers. Um, but let's lead off with stuff we like. Let's lead off with, um, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I am probably going to have to bounce out for the Star Wars stuff because I did not get to see it and I, only had a few things spoiled for me so far. Um, but yeah, so um, I was actually thinking, like, I don't really know if I have much this week, but I actually do. There's two shows that I kind of stumbled upon or realized that they were showing new episodes. Um, Steven Universe Future, which I believe is going to be the final, final season of any Steven Universe stuff, um, has been going on for the last uh, couple weeks. I've talked about Steven Universe multiple times. Um, it's easily one of my favorite shows, period. Just, of, you know, my favorite things of all time. Period. That's just a statement that will live out there in infamy. I love Steven Universe. It's still fucking killing it. Future is weird because they did not need to do it because, like I mentioned, when they had the movie and they had the episodes after the movie, like they have really had a fantastic fucking arc. They wrapped this shit up nice in a bow. They could have left it at that. Kind of like what Marvel's doing. Like you could end at Endgame and just have that be that. You you nailed it out of the park. Um, but they keep doing more, and it's just like. Hopefully, what Marvel does, like you're just killing it more. Like you're, you kind of did away all you need to do. You don't need to be like just fucking demolishing all of it, just like with high quality stuff. Um, I love Steven Universe Future. It's been a lot of fun. Um, they do a little bit of a time jump, uh, because like I said, kind of the big nemesis and like the big threats and storylines are kind of done. So they're kind of exploring new things, which is really cool. And then I just found out uh, that the second season's on Hulu this last week, but I think the show actually aired a couple months ago. Um, I've been a really big fan of Making It, which is a competition reality TV show uh, with Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. It is basically one of these reality competition shows, which outside of this one, I don't really watch, um, but I, I get the appeal of them. Um, and this one's uh, with crafts. It's just people that kind of do Etsy-like craft uh, builds, and Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman are just wholesome. The show is just a fucking delight. It's not really a competition. Everyone, they always feel bad. They have to eliminate people, and they have a, a really funny little storyline about like how everyone eliminates just stays with Nick and Amy in their little barn while the show's still taping and stuff, and they're just a big happy family. It's just a really fun show. Um, it's on Hulu, especially if you have a significant other or yourself are interested in kind of craft works. It's just a really fun, cute show that is great with a partner, I think. So, uh, yeah, that's stuff I got this week. I'm going to bounce out so you guys can talk about Luke Skywalkers and Han Solos and Chewies and Darth Vaders and Jar Jar Binks and what have you. Can um, I chime in a quick story that has nothing to do with anything, but since Mark brought up a reality show, I just triggered a memory for me. Mark, by Bobby and I, we were up in Seattle at a hotel room. I think we were watching UFC up there. But I turned on the TV to see there was a reality show on and then I was like, holy shit, one of my buddies from college was on this show. The reality show was called The Hunt for Bigfoot. And like, so like, you know, watching this episode and they do their elimination. And on the at the end of the first episode, it's my buddy and his dad are eliminated. I'm like, well, shit, I don't need to watch this show anymore. Done and done. <laughs> the whole point was they're hunting for Bigfoot. And in my head, I'm like, so how the fuck does anyone win or lose this show? Because at the end of the day, no one finds Bigfoot. So I never found out because, yeah, once my buddy was eliminated, I'm like, I'm not going to keep watching this show. You but, lost uh, the one personal hook you had on Stefan instantly. <laughs> yeah, it's like they came back um, and like, they're like, oh, yeah, where, where's him and his dad? And it's like, oh, they're gone. And I was like, well, OK, I guess that's the end of this adventure. Anyways, that's all. That's uh, do you guys want to save the Witcher talk for next week? 
and go straight to Star Wars? It's up to you guys. You guys watched it. I didn't. I mean, Mike, do you need to finish it still? Uh, uh, I did finish Witcher. Uh, we could sell next week since we're about to go head deep into Star Wars. Although, hey, Mark, I do have a mini yeah. stuff I like I would like to get into before uh, we get into the Star Wars okay. talk. Let me let me just gracefully bow out here. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Uh, and I'll be back next Happy week. Happy Hanukkah. So, yeah, yeah, everything. I think all those Happy things happen. I should have been, yes, in Festivus. I don't know when all those dates align, but you're in a good mood. We're having fun with the family. I'll see you guys next week. Speaking of right. uh, speaking of uh, wishing people happy holidays today on a on a conference call at work today, um, people were you know wishing uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and one lady made a joke like, "Oh, we can't forget about Hanukkah," to which I quipped, "Hey, we can't forget about Kwanzaa either," and people were real silent. All right, Mike, trying to get fired from his job. <laughs> the adventure continues. <laughs> what do you got this week? Besides, Kwanzaa bot gets you in trouble. <laughs> as long as you don't bring up hedonism bot you're fine mike uh what do you uh what do you got this is a star wars well besides star wars i think you'll appreciate this one bobby somehow i started watching dogma on on youtube yeah <laughs> somehow i started watching dogma, I love dogma. On, uh, on youtube um today and then somehow that got me onto a kevin smith uh you know uh, rabbit hole and I started watching some of his clips of when he talked about just how horrible uh, Bruce Willis is. And then that got me thinking, man, I really want to watch uh, An Evening with Kevin Smith. So I'm currently on a hunt to find it for free. So um, my... The original? No, I'm trying to find the one where he's talking about Kevin Smith. So I think that's probably the 2008 you mean Bruce one. What did I say? The, the, I mean, the Bruce Willis one? You said Kevin Smith. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, the Bruce Willis one where he's talking about um, they're they're friends now. Cop out. Oh, they're they're friends now. Ah, they're okay. Yeah, but it's it's still funny. I I was on Netflix. Oh, Epics maybe is where I watched it. It might be on Epics for free. All right, I may look on Epics. But yeah. um, besides Star Wars this week, um, an e the evening when Kevin Smith's um, Kevin Smith isn't exact. He's not a stand up comedian. He just tells stories. But the stories he tells are pretty entertaining and funny. Would you do you like uh, Superman story or do you like Prince story more? Which one do you enjoy? I don't remember the Prince story, but I do remember the Superman story where he goes in on that. Yeah, that one. I, 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 that first, I mean, Stefan knows. I made everybody watch it too. That first evening with Kevin Smith DVD was fucking incredible. It was the best Kevin Smith movie. I mean, was Kevin Smith telling was just telling stories for three hours. It, it wasn't until an evening with Kevin Smith that I even realized that. In Superman Returns, he never throws one punch throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he doesn't punch anybody. <laughs> Not at go all. To like an evening with Kevin Smith in Berkeley. We went to one in Berkeley where he, uh, his mind was blown because there was a Jewish uh, girl who said that she went to private, went to Catholic school yeah, in Oakland. San Francisco, in and he's just in Oakland, and he didn't get it, and people are like. Oh, she lives in Oakland. And he's like, is that a thing? Is it so bad you got to go to a different church's school? It's like, yeah. That's, 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 the public school is no good. That's, 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 yeah. um, my takeaway from that was uh, Kevin Smith was, one, amazed when he learned that Los Angeles steals uh, water from Northern California. And yep. then I was amazed when someone pointed out that Northern California steals water from Oregon. So... Yeah, we all, you know, we share. Some of us pay There's for no it. no honor among thieves. Um, all right, 
Star Wars. Let's talk about it. The Rise um, of Skywalker, the most divisive of them all. I I don't, man. I mean, I walked. I saw it with Stefan. Um, I talked to Mike about it after I got home. I think we all were like, yeah, that was pretty good. I think, I think, what Stefan, what was our thing? We're like, I think what, we sat there for like half an hour afterwards. We're like, there was a couple parts here and never really didn't dig. But overall, we're like, okay, good movie, you know, like, good times. <laughs> with a little bit of context, I think when we were talking and like, it's kind of as I've had a few days to kind of, uh, you know, let it sink in, talk to some other people who saw it. I realized my mindset going into this one was really similar to where I was when um, I believe it was our freshman year of college when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, the third movie of the prequels. And that was basically after the shit show that was the two movies that preceded it. My expectations were like tapered enough that like, I don't want to say lowered expectations, but maybe that fits here. That it's like I kind of had a certain expectation of what I wanted out of the movie, and I wasn't going to let any annoyances with the previous movies kind of make me go in already hating it or looking for it to fail. Like, it had a lot to live up to. And this, tri- I-, I was talking to you a lot about Bob Iger's book because he talks a lot about uh, the details and kind of the background of what went into making this trilogy. And it was always going to be an impossible ask. I think one of the passages says, is like, Star Wars want fans want something that's similar, but different, but better. That is such a hard thing. And basically, this movie had the tall order of wrapping up 40 years of a franchise. There was nothing that they were going to do that was going to make everyone happy. So all they could do was do their best after a lot of issues, a lot of hiccups. You know, it's a very flawed movie. But at the end of the day, I kind of loved it. You know what, man? I noticed because you look at the, on Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, the last movie had really good critic rev- critical reviews, but, like, that was, like, 90-something. And the people reviews was, like, 50-something. Yeah, the, the uh, audience score was terrible. This was – this is the complete opposite? Yep. And I came out of both of them thinking, yeah, those are pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. May- I mean, I, you and I talked about it. I don't know what my expectations are going to these movies, but I feel a lot of people who don't like them have not seen enough bad movies to know what truly a bad movie is. And like it's like you said, it's an impossible task. I really think you're trying to like make movies for a group of people who were awed and loved these movies since they were children, and you need to somehow make it land on that land for them now as adults, but also make it interesting for the new batch of children that are watching. Yep. Like you're asking a lot. From a movie franchise, and Stefan, you may you said it already. That's a good, the way it is. I thought it was pretty good, and like with every, it's like every one of these movies I see, and like look, I walked out of like every like Marvel movies that people like we all, that I loved and thought, well, okay, this part of it wasn't great, that part of it wasn't great. You don't have to love every minute of the fucking movie. Overall, I thought it was pretty good time. I, um, I, there was a couple moments I was like, eh, but like Mike, we go ahead. I think Sorry. one of the issues though is that at least with the Marvel movies. You know, the people aren't going to be nitpicking every single second of the movie. You know, like if they do something different in Endgame when it comes to, you know, the the superheroes that wasn't done, you know, in the Infinity Wars and in the comics, you know, the nerds aren't going to, you know, get up in arms about it. And, you know, unlike I think the Marvel movies, you know, the people that love Star Wars feel they have ownership over this movie and feel they almost indignant. relish in they almost relish in being extreme critics of it, some of them, I feel. Yeah. Like they almost like look forward they're almost like I mean, this is more of a conversation about fandom in general. And I think Stefan, you and I have talked about this. 
where like at a certain point your fandom reaches a level where like it's almost like you are like going into it already dislike right. expecting to dislike right. something like you're like like you're almost looking to be a critic before it even starts right. almost and one, i don't know one thing i didn't like and i can't blame i don't even know if i can blame the people who made the star wars movies about this but i think i leave this more to the fans that they can't allow the star wars movies to actually be movies and i feel of the current trilogy that just concluded the movie that was the most like a movie was The Last Jedi. You know, Ryan Jox Johnson actually took some risks in the movie. He tried to propel, you know, the Star Wars mythos into more than just, you know, it doesn't mean it worked. Doesn't, doesn't, but mean, he tried. doesn't mean it hit all, but like he tried. He tried to do different shit. Like I was speaking with Steph um, earlier last week about the movie, and I know we disagree on this, but. You know, one thing that I particularly didn't like that this movie did, and in case we did not say this already, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, and spoiler alert. <laughs> mm. One thing I really didn't like was the fact that they made Ray a, a secret Palpatine. Because one thing I thought really worked and a driving force of The Last Jedi was the fact that they told Ray your parents were minors they were nobody they just left you to die you come from nobody and even her coming from nobody she still rose to be a hero which means that you don't have to be a skywalker you don't have to be a palpatine you don't have to come from these blood lineages that have been just permeating star wars for the last 40 years to to be a hero and i also really love the scene at the end of the last jedi where they just show those random kids on that random planet that that Finn was at, you know, using the force, letting you know, like, hey, you know, heroes can come from all different walks of life, you know, much how like I got a question. What was that the part people? I, I mean, I'm uh, when people start complaining about movies. I don't really delve too much into it, quite frankly, unless I'm agreeing with them and I want to enjoy it with them. The the, the complaining. I honestly, honest question: Was that the part people had a problem with, like about, about um, that last movie? Well, I know they didn't like, I the, like, up, I know they. I can sum up. Sorry, go ahead. I can sum up the arguments on Last Jedi. Um, the the two main camps were: if you liked Last Jedi, uh, it's kind of what Mike was saying was they liked the idea of these kind of subversion of ideas of opening it up, not making things so binary. Um, the argument against was that. Ryan Johnson was changing things for the sake of changing them and that he was kind of spitting on the, it was like that it was disrespectful to the mythos of star Wars as well. Um, that like, Oh, you care about this. You care about this. That doesn't matter. Um, it's the ones people who felt slighted. It's, it's an argument I made about why I hated the last season of game of Thrones. The worst thing that can happen to you when you are a super fan a, a fictional world when you get into the world building when you dig on the wikipedias and you read the history of this character and this character and how did this happen the worst thing a franchise can make you feel feel is when they make you feel dumb for being a fan and a lot of people felt slighted because force awakens was this setup movie where you're like who is the snoke character who are the parents and then to be told all those things don't matter it makes you feel dumb or it, it makes it makes some people feel dumb and that is a horrible feeling for something that you love. And so I understood. That, I, that, that makes sense. Uh, you know what? That's interesting. I feel, and I'm saying this, me saying this honestly, as someone who liked both movies, 
I mean, Steph saw both of them with me. I walked out of both of them and said, that was pretty good. Had a good time. Um, With this one, I probably overall enjoyed this one more in a nutshell, just itself, like standalone. Mm-hmm. Um, But the last one, when it ended, I was more excited for what was going to come next because JJ does fan service a lot. Like, it was a lot of, like, I mean, that was what was the criticism of episode seven? Where like you it just was, made New Hope it again. It was like, wow, I really love that movie. I also like the New Hope. Yeah, and like that's fine. I mean, look, I'm excited either way. I'll see any fucking Star Wars movie. I'm watching Mandalorian. I liked Solo. Okay, Rogue One, highly underrated, as Stefan will tell you if we ever get to that conversation. Um, I would say, I but think Rogue One is rated, man. I would say Rogue One is top three in the entire. Yeah, man, that, it's I don't not, think it gets it's not the underrated. I think it's rated pretty well. Okay, fine. Um, I don't. I mean, like. I thought, like, with the, with episode 8 ending, and maybe this is good or bad, I kind of was just like, well, shit, I don't know where this is going. Um, this one, I mean, not that I know where it's going. It's just like I was just like, I don't know. It's hard I, to describe I feel, it. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I feel after episode 8, they came back like, oh, no, JJ, you need to direct this one. And, okay, I'm not saying Last Jedi, as we talked about all of the things hit in Last Jedi, but I feel they went just, I mean, they wasted they wasted a good hour of that movie on that adventure with Benicio del Toro. Yeah, they, they like, that's that. just a waste of our time. That. Okay, that I, was I, a waste of our time. I feel that for this last movie, they just went all back to the just most comfortable, most fan service things that they could do for this movie. I don't know about I don't know how it was for you guys in the movie theater when the reveal happened that Ray was a Palpatine, but that was the most anti climactic shit ever someone literally started laughing in my movie theater when it got revealed she was a palpatine oh you didn't have people taking pictures in the movie theater that's what me and stuff yeah, that was rough <laughs> uh, <laughs> in terms of the fan service thing i alone stood up a little bit and started applauding when i got my man wicked w warwick the ewok with his son or grandson, yeah and i'm like oh shit <laughs> shout out to Yo, they, did, they were did, right by Endor. They were on a different moon. I'm like, you know. Oh, you were so excited when they announced that. You turned to me. You're like, we're good. You almost said we're gonna get Ewoks. What was uh? Did did what's his name get a check? Did uh Warwick Davis get a check? That's what I need to know. I hope. Did he get a check? He was in the movie. I hope he got a check. You know, like uh, speaking of fan service, you know who got the biggest pop? Uh, was when uh when Wedge when Wedge showed up at the end. We're like, oh, oh yeah. the only other X-wing pilot that ever mattered. The only part of the movie where I was just like, why'd we do that? Was the Sleeping Beauty bullshit thing. The Romeo and Juliet kissing nonsense at the end. That, cool. look, I, I knew what we were trying to accomplish. We're trying to redeem Ben Solo. Homie could have just died protecting her and without having to bring her back to life with, like, kissing and the Force. I know he did the Force, but, like, I could have done without that. And we, we talked about that stuff. I mean, but, like, we could have done I mean, without that. just lived, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, um, the like, one why th- you gotta kill my man? I, I, I kind of want to address something to uh, kind of what Mike was saying about it. Um, yeah, it is fan servicey as hell. And J.J. Abrams, I don't know if you watched a lot of his other work. Um, he kind of has a reputation of he's great at starting things and he has no idea how to finish them. He just leaves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just leaves. So that's the thing. I um, mean, it's not, that's a you problem. That's not a J.J. problem. J.J.'s moved on. common criticism, which I, I kind of agree with, is... Rise of Skywalker kind of feels like a middle movie. Um, and it kind of was since they just wanted to erase everything in The Last Jedi. So it's like there probably should be a fourth movie that actually wraps this shit up. But um, 
you know, kind of, I was very okay with uh, to what Mike was saying about like, and I again, I get why people like, I know a lot of people who like Les Strata because it opened up the world back up, but I always kind of interpreted this third trilogy of closing it. You know, if you want to open up, that's fine. That's what the spinoffs are for. That's what for the expanded universe. But I kind of expected this trilogy to end it because it was clunky as hell. Clearly, they had to do a lot of, uh, you know, retconning and revisionist history to make things work. But they very easily could have set it up for, you know, kind of Palpatine to be the through line. Because the one thing George Lucas said about Star Wars, that it's poetry, that it, it ends. And if you make... If this series was always about the Skywalkers and the Palpatines, I'm okay with that. There's a lot of fantasy science fiction series that are like that. You know, Battlestar Galactica had the line, is everything that has happened will happen again. So if you make all three t- trilogies about these two families, that perfectly in sync with so much fantasy and sci-fi I like. So, like, the idea that that it's a cop-out, it's like, do you guys not like Game of Thrones? Because it was always about the Starks and the Targaryens. Like... You know, like no, it's, I mean, a lot of things that yeah. do that, and I was fine here's, with that. Like it was here, just here, how we got there. That's here's all. here's why I don't agree with that stuff because I feel it wasn't until this goddamn movie they thought, "Yo, let's bring back Emperor Palpatine and make Rey a Palpatine." Okay, well, that Palpatine part, I feel we all walked out of Episode Seven, and I think every one of us had like, so is Snoke just the fucking Emperor? Like that's what I think we all walked out thinking. I mean, like he's he's just the emperor, right? I said to Bob because one of the things where that reveal, like it kind of didn't land for me, was I remember you know kind of after Force Awakens and a lot of people were like theory crafting. I think the 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 three biggest theories in order was Ray is the daughter of Luke. She's a Skywalker. Number two was that she was a Palpatine, and three was she was a Kenobi. And that was my lean because of the English accent. There were only two English people in this galaxy. Why wouldn't she be related to Ben uh, Kenobi? But you know what I don't like? Actually, straight up, that fucking Terminator did this shit too. When, because Return of the Jedi fucking ended, and we're like, oh, they won. Victory is at hand, right? They've won. And then, episode seven, oh, we didn't win. Uh, Like, you all celebrated 25 years ago a victory. And, like, fucking Judgment Day did the same thing, okay? We stopped the goddamn Rise of the Machines. Remember in Terminator 2? And then we watched Terminator 3, and it's like, no, man. Oh, they, they, they're coming anyway. My favorite Terminator <laughs> ending, even though it was a terrible movie, when they're like, Skynet was software. It's in the cloud. You could never stop it. <laughs> yeah, like, we only invented the cloud two months ago. And I'm just thinking about what's his name? That poor fucking scientist that Arnold shot him. Or no, I'm sorry, Sarah Connor shot him. They broke into his house. I mean, yeah, he, they he, fucking, uh, he had a suicide bomb for no reason. Yeah, he saved them all. He saved us all. And then, like, no, nah, man, we have checks to write. <laughs> you know, like, we got to make more movies. That was the part about episode seven. I'm like, they didn't even, like, shit wasn't even locked down for, like, a little bit. Well, like, we weird. didn't have. It's like, we're the resistance <laughs> and, like, the first order. I'm like, why are you the resistance again? Where, where's the Where's the New Republic? Why are you? Yeah, why I was are gonna you say the New Republic. The episode seven should have been like democracy dying again. Like they should have they should have been an established government and then something oh, well, happened. At well, least I can... well, Bob, not to get too nerdy on you, there was an established government that came out after Return of the Jedi. It was called the New Republic. It was like yeah, it lasted like three weeks. Yeah, it didn't last very long. <laughs> if you If you know in uh, in the Mandalorian. They do refer to New Republic credits at certain points. 
yeah, and also like uh, good the, at kind of like giving well, the comic book like, this government the, is very inefficient and gets nothing done well, the comic book also, I guess, because I was watching this video about, like, the canon. What's canon at this point? And I guess the fact that, uh, what was the lady who ran the, um, resi- the what's it called? Um, the Rebels? Mon Mothma. What was? Yeah, she took over. She was running shit. And then I think she died. And then Princess Leia wanted to take out, wanted to run. And then people found out she was Darth Vader's daughter. So that was scandalous. And she didn't win. And I guess that's when things started falling apart. If I apart. can say, like... Something that this this new trilogy really had working against it for like the deep cut Star Wars fans um, was that the expanded universe that was created in like in timelines post Return of the Jedi, Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, Mara Jade, the wife of Luke Skywalker. There was some really goddamn good, high high quality expanded universe. And then when Disney bought Star Wars and said, "Okay, all that stuff is legends. None of that is canon anymore." That hurt, and like they were going, they weren't starting from a clean slate. That's another reason that this this trilogy really never had a shot. To be honest, do you, do you know what JJ did really well with Star Trek? Do you? I'm not sure if you saw any Star, Star Trek movies. No, when he did Star Trek, the I remember I saw it with you, Mike, when they did that first Star Wars movie with uh, Chris Pine Star and uh, Star Trek. I keep mixing it up. Star Trek, the one with Zach with uh, Zach Quinto and uh, Chris Pine. They retconned the whole thing they like they they made an alternate universe yeah, they retconned it within the movie yeah in the movie they're like they did they found a way to be like to not piss off everybody like wrath of khan and fucking the search for spock and the path home and all that shit they found a way to be like that exists and this exists too and and i, I it, remember me and you looking at each other being very impressed during that we're like shit like whoa okay well, well, and I'm like, all, all I know about Star Trek is the movies. I never watch any of the shows, but I love the movies. And I remember, like, well, love that even ones. Let's be honest. The odd ones are terrible. But, like, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. And, like a Stefan put it, JJ left. <laughs> and they got less good. But they did. So, I mean, I don't know. That's the type of thing where I almost wanted from, like, to be, like, find a way, man, to, like, and it was hard to do that, like, an episode eight, Stefan, to be like, we're doing all this new shit. And then, like, after episode seven being the way it was. Like, if episode seven was immediately, like, we're doing all this new shit, we'd be like, okay, we're doing all this new shit. If, uh, if, ep- like, yeah, if episode seven, I think, had been more like The Last Jedi, and that was the, the tone. You could have got away with yeah. it. And that's the fundamental problem with this whole trilogy. Like, I really enjoy Rise of Skywalker because it's, it's fan servicey as hell. You know, like, it one of the absolute cheapest thing they do in the movie, and as a movie fan, it's absolutely abhorrent is the um the fake out of Chewie's death because there's no second mm-hmm. ship that like he's just suddenly alive that was, I, that, I honestly that was like the fan in me like so the critic in me is like that's one of the stupidest things i've ever seen the fan in me mm-hmm. was i'm really fucking happy Chewie's i alive. really thought yeah. chewbacca was going to die because as you mentioned before about the the legends books in the legends yeah. books chewbacca does die so i'm like oh my god they actually brought that part in yeah, like the the line that really does stick from Last Jedi is "kill the past." the 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 biggest thing that this another big thing that this like new trilogy had as a hurdle was making you care about the new characters and not just making you want the adventures of Han, Leia, Luke, and Chewie again. Because um, yeah. those are the most popular people in this whole goddamn series. Like 
and as an old head with Star Wars, yeah, I kind of wanted to see more of them rather than the new characters. So, like, that was cheap as hell. That, it was it's so tough, man. You but, said it yourself. Uh, it's so tough to keep everybody happy. Kind of what you movies. guys are saying, and I think that's kind of one of the, the most common critique and I think is the most sound thing. There was no architect to this trilogy. Is, exactly. JJ had one idea. Ryan said, no, I want to do this. You know, like, they didn't flow from one to another. These are just three really different movies like i enjoy this movie but it's like kylo ren's helmet in it you can see all the seams you can see the cracks you can see where they weld it together you can see where it's held together by duct tape like it is a very very i mean we talked about this um because i remember telling you like all six star wars up until the movies until this point i mean the six original i mean the original trilogy and the prequels you know George Lucas's hands are all over them. And he didn't direct every single one. He didn't direct um, number five. Well, five was Irvin Kirshner, I think. I don't remember who directed six. I forgot the guy's name. But th- there's no one, like, creating... The- he created a universe. It's his sandbox. We say this about right? Kevin Feige and, all the time. He brings in a lot yeah, of he great ma- directors, but you always have to abide by, like, Feige's, like, architectural structure to the Marvel Universe. You know, I mean, you, I mean, Stefan, you and me and Mark, and I'm sure Mike too, we all fucking love Edgar Wright. Like, Edgar Wright made Shaun of the Dead. Edgar Wright made fucking uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Like, he made Hot Fuzz. They asked him to make Ant-Man, and I was excited to be like, man, what is what kind of weird shit is Edgar Wright going to bring to Ant-Man? And Edgar Wright got there, and he just couldn't work out because they wouldn't let him do this stuff. And right or wrong, all those movies look the way Kevin Feige in the like, in the mold Kevin Feige wants them to look like. Some are, like they some all, are meh, but everything yeah. in the Marvel Universe is coherent. And all six of those Star Wars movies before these three were exactly the way George Lucas wanted them to be. And they weren't all good, but like they all had the same tone. And this one is, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I know Kathleen Kennedy gets a lot of blame. I don't know if she had the power to impose her will the way it needed to be Kathleen done. Kathleen Kennedy gets a lot but, of the blame. Kathleen Kennedy deserves a lot of no, but real talk, if she's got the ability to dictate tone, she should have done it. Or JJ, or they should have like had one of JJ's like underlings direct the second Read one. the Bob Iger book. There's a lot of shit about Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars in it. Um Ooh, Bob but, like, Iger. It, there's he's the guy who's been president of Disney for fucking ever. He's, you know, more money than I'll God. Talk to you real quick um, after Mike. It's got really good juicy bits in it. Yeah. Um anyway, um yeah, it's I like to see the thing is like I you people are just like again I don't think people know what a bad movie is like has anybody seen the tuxedo <laughs> I mean <laughs> like I almost I wanted to leave I've walked, I've, I've walked out of a movie before yeah there's like yeah I, I, I was I was done. like I mean you these paid, aren't bad movies you paid to watch the tuxedo dude tuxedo was like 25 minutes in I'm sitting there with Mark and our friend Victor and I told I turned to Mark and I'm like yeah let's just go you know we were talking about how we like our ride or die <laughs> MMA fighters who we always pick no matter what well, our old friend Victor, Jackie Chan was his ride or die. Oh, yeah, he's like, what do you mean? Jackie. He's like, he's like, this is great. I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, I can only stare at Jennifer Love Hewitt's cleavage and Jackie Chan doing stupid flips and this stupid tuxedo movie for so many months longer. We're like 25, 30 minutes in. Let's go home. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, we paid seven bucks. Let's go home. <laughs> it's done. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's actual bad things out there. Like, I, I mean, like, don't get me like last season of Game of Thrones was bad. There was bad stuff in there. Don't get me wrong. There's stuff that's actually bad. The last four years of Dexter were trash, okay? Neither of these last two movies, I think, were bad. Like, they're both better than Attack of the Clones. I mean, while we're, while we're doing like, our, these best of the decades, I'll say it right now. 
Kylo Ren is one of the greatest characters in all of Star Wars. I absolutely Dude, Adam Driver's Adam Driver's such a good I actor. Find him, I just find him to be an absolutely fascinating character. Did they knock everything out of the park? But like for as wonky and inconsistent as these movies were, I thought Driver always did excellent work. Um was absolutely of a character. I, that terrible show he was on, Girls. Girls wasn't good. Girls was a not a good show. As my friend Dan put it, I don't know why I watched this show and I don't feel good afterwards. Um he was good. Oh, the whole time in that bad I mean, show. he was, Bob, but I was saying this to someone else, is like, for him to have overcome his first impression as a character, he was introduced to the world as the quasi-rapey, creepy boyfriend. Like, Yeah, he was really for him to become like a semi-leading man now, like, that is an impressive arc. Yeah, I mean, but he was like the one good thing to come out of that show, quite frankly. He's a really good actor, and I know he's getting really good reviews for this movie with Scarlett Johansson. Um, marriage Story. Marriage Story. Um, dude, by the way, I was about, I started watching the uh, Irishman when I was on the treadmill, and then I was just like, I, I this, I can't. Well, this is, <laughs> I can't run that's and try not, to read all this, a, listen to all this dialogue. Treadmill movie. I was just trying to watch something. I was like, I'd run out of watching whatever I was the watching. Three and, and a half hour movie is your workout movie, Bob. That like no, I just, I, dude, I, I just wanted to watch like the first twenty minutes and then go up to. I, I was at my apartment gym and then walk over to my apartment and watch the rest. And then I was just like, no, not happening. I started watching Return of the Jedi instead. Which, by the way. The escape from Jabba's fucking uh, whatever ship thing, his barge, or his his barge, is like forty minutes. Like it just, I don't know. Like I mean, I'm not sure if the plan was the droids get captured, and then Princess Leia gets captured, and then Luke gets captured, and like it seems like the like there's like the first fifty minutes of that, and then Luke goes to Dagobah, and then like. A lot of stuff just happens in that movie before you're like, all right, it's time for the fucking final battle. Like, let's let's get to the final battle in that movie. Um, yeah. Um, I'm people who are like, I saw the fucking kid who was in Mandalorian. Um, the kid who played the last. Did you see the last episode of Mandalorian? Yeah the uh, the young bounty hunter. The young bounty hunter. He said like he was shitting on last uh, on a last. What's the name of the last guy we saw? Return of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. One of the... Okay. Skywalker. Nine. He was saying it was the fucking worst and all this shit. And I'm like, what? Fuck this kid. That's, that like, sounds like a bitter Betty. Who knows? He's not going to be in any more Star Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah because and everyone just, called him a cheap knockoff Han Solo. <laughs> well, he's also straight nepotism. He's the grandson of Sidney Lumet and the son of Bobby Cannavale, who are... You know, Sidney Lumet's a fucking legend. Bobby Cannavale's in the Marvel movies as uh, I don't know. What he was it, is the uh, new husband for Scott's uh, ex-wife. Yeah, but he's that guy's a known actor. He's yeah, in a bunch yeah, of yeah. shit. Like I mean, like, but like so like I mean I read that and I'm like, did these people did these people not see Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones? Like Phantom Menace, they are worse. Phantom Menace is for sure the worst of the nine movies. Step I on? mean, a lot of people, yeah, I, uh, people have really forgotten, like, how toxic, like, this is like pre-internet forums and Twitter. Had those things existed, I had never heard the term, Phantom Menace introduced the uh, term or the phrasing to my life of you raped my childhood. That came from Phantom Menace. That's where that. Remember the South Park episode? 
Do you remember the South Park episode about George Lucas and Steven Spielberg ruining their movies? Yes. Whew, that was I rough. mean, one of the yeah, best like, documentaries, fuck. and I just want to bring this post, I recommend it if anyone is a Star Wars fan. If you never saw the documentary, The People versus George Lucas, um, it's fantastic. If you're a fan of Star Wars, it's just truly great. Because it's, wish I, it's what I wish the fan base could come to now, is because that documentary is like an hour and 20 minutes of everyone shitting on the prequels, shitting on George Lucas, and you know what the final 10 minutes are? Everyone's saying thank you. The reason they're mad is because they love this thing. The reason they're mad is because these characters inspired them to dream, to think about, to write fan fiction, to dress up, to buy merch. And it's like, that's what there's, it's about at the end of the day. There's a whole generation of filmmaker that are filmmakers because of George Lucas. Kevin Smith will talk about it. Quentin Tarantino will talk about it. Robert Rodriguez will talk about it. They all saw Star Wars when they were kids, and it blew their fucking minds. My dad saw Star Wars uh, when it came out, and my dad said he had no fucking idea what was going on. My dad spoke English fine, but he was just like, I, what the, there was a fucking Wookiee? What the, what is that? Like, there, he says, all I know is there was a spaceship two minutes in and shooting something, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, how did they make this? <laughs> like, the whole concept, by the way, of like, set, I mean, this is not as like, artistically satisfying for some people, but... The whole concept of like merchandising movies and selling to children had never been done on the level that came out of Star Wars. I mean, episodic storytelling. If you like, yeah. the, if you like, like the MCU, thank Star Wars. Like, um, I mean, the whole concept of like yeah. one one uh, reason why George Lucas has so much goddamn money is that when Star Wars was being made. Um, the studio thought so little about merchandising that if I'm right, George Lucas was accruing an obscene percentage of uh, the Star Wars merchandising. He also owned the rights to every one of those movies. He just used 20th Century Fox for distribution. He owned the entire thing himself. And yeah, the whole concept of like summer movies and like tentpole movies pretty much came out of Star Wars and Jaws. Like Steven Spielberg and... You know, George Lucas, between Jaws, Indiana Jones, and Star Wars, invented this. Like, and not sure, this is the economics of the movie business, and people are like, oh, fuck capitalism, blah, 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 blah. But everybody got a lot, there's a lot of jobs that exist because of Star Wars. A lot of them. And the impact it's had is, like, that's why, like, people, like, can go back and say, like, oh, I don't like Star Wars. I mean, like, the dialogue's shitty, even in the original trilogy. It's not just about that. When Stefan was earlier talking about the impact of Ronda Rousey, the impact of Star Wars is bigger than the actual reality of the movie itself. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what, what I mean? the best part about any Star Wars movie is? The anticipation of seeing it. Like, I am always fucking out. excited for new Star Wars. You, Everybody getting out grabbing paper towel rolls and making lightsaber sounds as a child? Like, come on, man. That's what Star Wars is about. You know how like, much money Galaxy's Edge is going to get for me the next time I get to go to Disneyland? I don't care if they're good dude, or bad. I just, want a, I just want a droid. I'm going to be the most boring motherfucker there. I'll be like, I want a droid. They'll be like, what kind? I'll say R2 unit. And they'll say, what colors? I'm like, just make me fucking R2-D2. And they're like, well, you can just buy that at the gift shop. Okay, goodbye. I go buy an R2-D2. That's it. I think <laughs> one of the most depressing things about this movie ending is that we probably know that the next trilogy, because you know they're going to make another trilogy. It's not going to be a trilogy. It's going to be not a trilogy, but there's going to be movies. Yeah. There's there's going to be another trilogy, Bob. They didn't pay it's all gonna, this money just to get three movies. There's going to be an episode. No, no. I mean, there's going to be, I think there's going to be more movies. I don't think it's going to be like 
we're doing them in three parts. I think I'm not sure there's gonna be episodes even like Star Wars, whatever's next. All right, I'm gonna assume that both of us are gonna be alive for the next ten to twenty years. How much you want to bet there will be an episode ten? I mean, do you think they're gonna? I mean, a movie they're gonna call and episode call ten it or episode a movie that follows ten? Yes, that is correct. I got twenty bucks that says no. They don't call it episode well, 10. Well, I'm assuming it's not going to be for like another 15 years. So 20 bucks is going to be like two bucks in 20 years. So I think we we need to like peg this to inflation. <laughs> Man, do you see do you see who's president? None of us are going to live this long anyway. Um, 50 bucks. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm down with that. 50 bucks in 15 years. Okay. You have until 2035. Right. Okay. It has to be called episode 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay. Um. Overall... I thought it was a good movie. I thought the last one was a good movie. I had a good time at both movies. I enjoyed episode seven. This felt more like episode seven. I liked that. Um, this I think this was the first introduction in the Star Wars movies of a yellow lightsaber, if I'm correct. That's yeah. the color lightsaber I want to make when I go to Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if they, what if they said, nah, you Mace Windows, Mace Windu's daughter instead of that everything? Oh my God. And then the ghost of Sam Jackson. That's the movie I want to see. <laughs> That's, by the way, I enjoyed hearing Sam Jackson's voice when we heard all the Jedi's. That made me happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much any of the Jedi that's been in, um, any of the movies and in Rebels as well. Cause you also heard, uh, Kane and Jarrus's voice and Ezra Bridger's and Ahsoka Tano. <laughs> And did, when, uh, uh, did, when you hear uh, what's his name, when you hear uh, Hayden Christensen, young Anakin, be all like, "Bring balance to the force," as I did, I'm like, "Go to hell, Hayden Christensen, you sucked." Was it? Uh, did they get? Was Ewan talking, or did they have stock both. audio? Uh, they had, they had yep. both of them. They had what's mm -hmm. his name? They had uh, Sir Alec Guinness. Yep. I mean, Ewan's definitely really? back in the fold. He's getting his uh, Disney Plus series with Deborah. Dude, the, the, the internet willed that into existence. They decided five years ago that they have to make an Obi-Wan show about with, with you and McGregor. He was a good Obi-Wan. I mean, it's if, if anything, the prequel trilogy taught me all these movies exist in history and time. There will be a whole generation that love these this trilogy, that this is their favorite trilogy in 10 years from now. So. Whatever you were, whatever you saw um, when you were a child. Let's, let me put it this way for you, gentlemen. My uh, my two of my nephews and nieces, uh, Josue and Sam. I've almost I've almost had to stop myself from fighting them at times because they have told me they like the prequels better than the sequel than the uh, original series. Oh yeah, they're big Jar Jar fans. They love all of it. He was so funny. Man, that poor guy got death threats. You mean Misa Jar Jar Binks? That guy. Man, that dude. That guy was getting. He was getting called a lot of things. I mean, with how voice. racist all the characters were in anime. Hey, oh no! Hey, come on, guys! Can we do a different voice? Can we do it? The 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 Japanese aliens. Everyone was a weird, like you know, the the weird, like smarmy Middle Eastern uh, bug selling guy. Like everyone was a goddamn racial stereotype in that. Movie. Do you, by the way, we had no do you guys appreciate that that Billy D. Williams shows up? And Lando Calrissian, Calrissian remains the coolest motherfucker <laughs> in the galaxy. Say what you guys want about Solo. Gambino was the right guy to play Lando Calrissian. All right? That was a good choice. And in this movie, I'm like, Lando's the man. I, I, are we going to get a weird spinoff with Lando and the random, uh, whatever, the, the escaped Stormtrooper the girl? The random black chick that for a second yeah. is, like, yeah, for man, a second you're thinking... 
crammed yeah, together. They, in this they, you're thinking for a second, yo, is Lando about to tell her that you know she's that he's her daddy? Because I thought, I thought, oh, by the way, I say like my daughter was kidnapped. 22 years ago. I, I, I really thought we were getting was he she was going to be the weird consolation prize for Finn when he lost out on Ray. I'm like, what kind of negative message is this when he can't get the white girl? He just gets the black girl like instead. Like, what kind of racist ass movie are you doing here? And I was waiting for it and they didn't do it. So um, you got to appreciate I told Steph on this that like I'm like, is that when I the one character is talking? I forgot her name. But I'm like, is that Carrie Russell? And I'm just like, man, I could really peg Carrie Russell just on voice. That's what you get from watching The Americans. I recommend you all watch it. One of the best oh, yeah. TV shows. You cast Carrie Russell and all you do is see her eyes like through a helmet. That is a waste of a very like beautiful woman. I was going to say, Carrie Russell's gorgeous. And I really, I mean, yeah. I mean, I like that you got all the J.J. Abrams people just showing up in this movie. Like, Dominic Monaghan was in it. I don't remember him being in Seven. I was he? cracked up when he just had like a very pivotal line. In- yeah, I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> um. That was, yeah, that was, and then um, Greg Grumberg was in it. He and, was in all uh, three of the movies, though. He was. Uh, you know, I remember him in Seven. I didn't remember him, uh, Dominic and, Monaghan. Uh, Bobby didn't remember this, but I pointed out to him, Mike, that uh, Jun Tao from uh, Rush Hour, he was also in, uh, as part of the uh, Resistance in all these key meetings. He may have died in uh, Last Jedi, but yeah, he was there talking about their plans of attack in Force Awakens and all that. You remember, you remember Jun Tao? Mike, the, the the bad guy from uh, Mike yourself off. Rush Hour, bleeding. You're bleeding. You're oh, bleeding. He was in he was Rush in Hour, by the or if you yeah. remember uh, X three, uh, the porcupine guy who has to hug that woman to kill her because he has the lamest yeah. mutant power I've ever seen. Oh yeah, man, Rush Hour one, guys. That's what I want to watch. Where do you watch Rush Hour? Netflix. Rush Hour one was a good movie. All right. I mean, okay, I'm probably gonna watch it. it and I'm gonna 50, change my whole mind. Fifty million dollars. Who do you think you kidnapped? Chelsea Clinton? Yo, those movies did so well. Chris Tucker's IMDb page just said Rush Hour 1, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3. No other movies. They paid him that much money. Right? He didn't show up for another 15 years until he showed up in... uh, Silver Lining. Whatever, Silver Lining. Just for like 10 minutes. I think he was just around hanging out with Bradley Cooper. And they put him in the movie. Um, By the way, Hayden Christensen, I remember seeing him in a different movie. Uh, Jumper? I like Jumper. While the movie was... Yeah, he wasn't bad in it. And then you remember, Natalie Portman sounded like a dumbass in these movies, too, and she got an Oscar. Eh, so George I Lucas... I think Hayden Christensen's been pretty stiff in everything I've seen. He's better than he was in Star Wars. <laughs> like, I Jesus. Mean, Attack of the Clones is like, is the Razzie of bad dialogue. Is that his fault, I, though? Is it his fault for well, the dialogue? Lucas' fault for not having an editor. <laughs> Honestly, that was also like I never seen a man deserve to get a woman less than the than Hayden Christensen in that movie. Like, <laughs> like there was no, like he just did nothing. He murdered a bunch of women and children, and then she was on board with him. And I'm like, what is this love let's story? Not forget, let's not forget him creeping on her hard from the beginning of the movie, dude. That was hilarious. That was the best Eddie, part. You've grown so much. So have you in beauty. They almost finished her play porno music when he said that line. <laughs> you just hear it listening. He's like, I can sense everything that's going on in her room. <laughs> like, that was like, and again, there's people who think the movie that I had, that we saw last week was worse than that. Like, episode one, nothing happens in episode one. A trade dispute. At all. There's a, and I'm a poli sci geek, and nothing happens in episode one. Pod race was cool. 
Um, <laughs> like that was and the uh, what's it called? Uh, shit, what's that John Williams piece when they have the lightsaber duel? Um, cl- duel, clap, duel of the fates. Duel of the fates is one of the yeah. best pieces of music in all of Star Wars. Have you heard of the uh, Machete Order, Stefan? Uh, the way you watch it if you're new to Star Wars. Yeah, so you go, you watch four, five, you watch four, it, then five, it then, you, altogether. then you go back and watch two and three, because after five is where you learn that Luke Skywalker's dad is uh, Anakin, you know, as Darth Vader. So then you go back and watch two, get disappointed, watch three, get a little bit less disappointed, and then you come back and watch the teddy bear battle, a teddy bear <laughs> fight in episode six. I mean, six. it makes sense, okay? you may as well not, like, learn about Darth Maul, because it's like, oh, who is this coolest character of all time? That disappears immediately. There's also the legend of uh, the Topher Grace cut of the prequels, which I would ask Steph. I was going to ask you if you've ever asked Francis about this. Wait, what? Because Who I know like it, it gets passed around L.A. So, like, yeah, um, Topher Grace, who played Eric Foreman on 70 Show, apparently edited the prequels in a way to make it one movie. And it was, like, a good movie. He found a way to make a good, like, two-hour movie out of them. And I guess it's, I mean, you can't release it, but it's been passed around like LA and stuff, like from person to person. And I didn't know, I was asking Stefan if his brother had seen it, because Stefan's brother works in the industry. But like, he either has or he knew someone who had it or had. Yeah. And it's like, it's something interesting because like, apparently, like, editing is a big part of movies, man. Like, that's why big criticism of Judd Apatow always, where all these comedies, I'm like, Judd, it wasn't that funny. Your movie, your comedy isn't so funny that I got to be here for two hours and 15 minutes. You got 90 minutes of jokes in a comedy. Tops. Tighten it up. Trim it up a little bit, man. We don't need to go to San Francisco and Funny People. I stand by that one. <laughs> funny People is one pretty decent movie and a terrible movie that follows the second half. Anyway, does anybody else got any Star Wars stuff they want to say? Mandalorian was good this week. Mandalorian was great. We got to stop, like, letting Baby Yoda hit the ground. Like, this is like three straight episodes in a row where my the, the little baby is just like face in the dirt like that that's all well, my I favorite like that. my favorite character got iced um i have quill. spoken quill yep man i watched it a second time and it was one of those things where like you hope it ends differently like maybe in this iteration he'll he'll actually get away i like the scene of baby yoda have a little you know you know a little darkness in him you know choking out gina carano i mean he is 50 he is 50. Yeah. He's got to have some awareness at this point. I don't care if he ages slow. Oh, yeah. I was watching Return of the Jedi when Luke when Luke goes back to see Yoda, and Yoda's, like, old. And he's just like, I, you know, I look, uh, he's like, I look old. I see it in your eyes. And Luke's just like, no. And then Yoda goes, um, so I, don't, I can't I do drew. the Yoda way of yes, talking. I oh, yeah. He's, then he's just something like. Uh, I can't put in it in Yoda translation. Old, but the nine, yeah, yeah, like, yeah in nine hundred years, yeah, he's like, he's like, if you're nine hundred years old, well, you won't look this fucking good, man. And I was like, yeah, Yoda, fuck that guy. <laughs> made me happy. Original trilogy Yoda, Yoda is amazing, where he's just griefing the fuck out of like Luke Skywalker, like when he's just being a little troll. You know, he's he's wonderful. You know what I noticed? Whether you think Episode Two is better than Episode One or not, seems to a lot of that seems to be on your opinion of Yoda fighting. Because a lot of people didn't like it. I fucking thought that was the Ooh, only good part the of the movie. didn't love Yoda fighting. <laughs> well, I think it's the way they made him just flop around the room, which I was just like, I don't know how else he was supposed to fight. He's that <laughs> He's like big. Two He's tall. two foot tall. Yeah, what do you want him to do? Just ankle everybody? Just bite people? Like, <laughs> like a little like, Jedi Chucky. <laughs> yeah, like, I just was like, I thought, I remember seeing, I remember like, because I saw this, I remember seeing episode two, 
because I remember we saw it so fucking early that we all spent the night before sleeping at <laughs> Stefan's mom's house because his she lived the closest to the theater, so we could ride the fucking bus to the movie theater. Stefan's looking like he barely remembers this, but this is what we did. And we're all half asleep watching this terrible movie, and we all woke up when fucking Yoda started flying around the room at the end. All right, I, <laughs> like it was. I the- just had an image. I just had an image in my head of if Yoda's fighting style was like Chucky from Child's Play, where he's just like hiding under tables and shit, just and just like taking like- out Achilles' heels. Yeah, I was gonna say Yoda's just just fucking turning everybody into stumps. They call him Stumpy for what he does to guys. They just have no, just chopping off. And that's the origin of Cotton Hill. He just has a he just has a necklace of all the feet he's chopped off. Like the, <laughs> that's what Yoda's doing. The most signature sound when Yoda's fighting. All you hear is just the pitter patter. Like just him running from hiding place to hiding place. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm, how else did you want Yoda to fight? <laughs> that was it. I mean, we've been talking about this forever, so if you don't mind me capping it, I'll just say, like, some will be good, some will be bad, but I'll always love Star Wars. I'll always be happy for more Star Wars. I'm thankful for all the ones that came before. I'm just thankful for the universe that George Lucas built because, yeah, it's it's so much of my childhood, my adolescent, teen, adulthood. I'm always going to love Star Wars. It's, it's always great. Yeah, and you know what? This is... This is more a thing, and I don't know how many people we have who listen who are, like, younger. Like, I'm talking, like, you know, in the early 20s or late teens. But as an adult, you all should know this, too, at this point. I imagine almost everybody does. It You don't have to check and see if other people like something before you say you like it or don't like it. There's a lot of stuff I like that I know other people don't like. There's a lot of stuff I like that Stefan doesn't like. There's a lot of stuff Stefan likes that I don't like. It's okay. A whole bunch of people don't like this movie. We all thought it was pretty good. I don't give a fuck what okay. anybody else thinks. To, you know, to be an old-ass hipster about it, man, all these things that are popular today, oh, it sure wasn't cool to like any of this stuff growing up. You know, like, that shit yeah. just comes, it comes around. It's just, it's, honestly, man, it's okay. You don't have to like, you're like, okay, I saw it. Let me not say I like something until I go and look and see what everybody else says. It's fine. Look and see what the people, other people say. But there's such a need, I feel, this day to everybody to be like, all right, how do we all feel as the internet? Yeah, yay or nay? Let's all yell about something. You know what I mean? And like, um, I mean, Mike, do you agree? I mean, I feel like now it's just like people don't want to just say they like something. Fuck it. If you like it, you like it. It's okay. Nah, man. <laughs> I, I look for validation in other people's opinions and everything I do. Yeah, Mike came here and yelled about how bad Batman vs. Superman was. No, Batman vs. Superman was the worst movie in the world. We've been talking about Star Wars for the last hour. You don't want me to stay on this podcast another 45 minutes talking about Batman vs. Superman? Dude, that was the angriest, Mike. That was the angriest. Like, if we went and looked at who was the angriest, anybody, like, all of us have been on the podcast. For me, it's probably one of the, it's probably when Ariel got fired. I got pretty angry. Or, honestly, pick a Trump incident. That might be it. For Mike... Batman vs Superman by a mile was the most heated Mike got on this podcast. I mean, most like, heated. Like you've been saying all night, Bobby. People want to see a bad movie. There's bad movies. Batman is Superman. Literally lived in the equivalent of San Francisco and Oakland. Why the fuck was Gotham in such disrepair? Superman is an asshole. Yeah, I was gonna say Gotham was just Oakland. Is what I took away from this. Like you could literally, like. literally see Gotham from Metropolis. Yeah, how do you watch Superman this movie? Has well, never met Batman. Is this movie on? How can I watch this again? I want to watch it just for the scene where you can see the other city. <laughs> and I was like, 
Because I feel I was in the theater, and I'm like, the fuck? It's that close? Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> Superman, he could fly up into space, into the atmosphere yeah. in, like, three seconds. But, oh, that crime that's being committed across the street? Oh, my bad. I don't go over there. There's a scene fuck, in the I'm- goddamn movie where Superman's at a dinner party. He sees there's a fire going on in, like, Guatemala, and boom, he's over there. <laughs> he's saving motherfuckers from that fire. But for some reason, no, no, no. He doesn't go to the dark place literally across the bay to Gotham. Yeah. So this is the end of the podcast. I'll just leave you with this. I recommend everybody watch The Americans on Amazon Prime Video. It's a really good show. That's really it. You'll be able to recognize Kerry Washington, Kerry uh, Russell's voice. And at that point. for those of you uh, that made it to the end of this podcast, God bless you. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're at an hour 55. So, so basically, um, I'm saying, God bless you, Phil, because we know you're still yeah. listening. Yeah. Phil's, Phil's half checked out at work. Um, all right, everybody. Um, Mark said it for himself. We'll say it for everybody else here, man. Thank you all for listening to us. This is our last podcast. No, it's not. Our second to last podcast of 2019. <laughs> but um, wish you all a Merry Christmas. If you celebrate, a Happy Hanukkah, which is in progress right now. Um, happy Kwanzaa. If you don't celebrate, happy holidays in general. Happy winter solstice. Um, that passed two days ago. Be n- you know, all these things, you know. Happy end of Watchmen. Festivus for the rest of us. Can't forget about that. Happy Star Wars week. Happy Festivus. Happy everything. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. Um, We'll be back next week with our year-end awards. Um, Best fighters. Best performances. Best events. Biggest stories. Quote of the year. Is it going to be Nate Diaz? Is it going to be Jorge Masvidal? It's probably going to be one of those two guys. Straight up. Um, Thank you all for listening so much. I was Dr. Law. That was Kit Presentable. That was Lavender Gooms. DJ Mark already peaced out. He's eating dinner. See y'all next week. Peace Peace. out. Cheers.